For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What I mean, what if he signs? What if he signs a short-term, really high per year amount? Do you think he'd be more apt to sign, say, a two-year, fifty-five million dollar deal with a, say, a ten million dollar signing bonus, which would give him like thirty-two point five million a year? if you include the signing bonus, or do you think he's going to want like a four year, $120 million deal? Well, here's the thing. Which would pay him about 30 million on average. See, if he takes that two year approach, right. And I know a lot of people don't like LeBron, but LeBron has really, he's a great businessman. He set himself up so that every couple of years he can get re upped for more money. Three years, more money, three years, more money. With that too, you it gives the team more flexibility too. Yeah. So like you know that's that's a potential thing that could work there. Um, Jake and I are talking about what the Packers are going to do potentially with Devontae Adams. Uh, we're going to have Andy Herman in here in just a minute. We're going to definitely ask him about the Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers situations. But um, we're just starting for um, another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Want to thank Parker Johns for sponsoring us. Um, Yes, we're going to have Andy Herman on today. We're going to ask him a bunch of Packers-related questions, um, some draft-related questions, some free agency-related questions, some personnel-related questions. And then um, after after Andy dips back out, um, Jake and I are going to go through them again and give our answers to the questions that we want to ask. Um, and then we're getting really close to draft prep season. Like, I know I've Bro. said it a whole bunch of times, but I'm, I'm so tease. excited for draft prep. I know, because like tease, bro. I, I find all these players that it's like, like oh cool. Now I fell in love with this player and I want him on the Packers, like Simi Fajoko last year, and then he got drafted by the Cowboys. It's like oh that was a gut yeah. Now I have one. to hate you because you played for the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Andy Herman is here. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, you bet. How's it going? All right, guys? it's going good. So Great. we want to do our best to be respectful of your time. So yes, sir. if you're uh, if you're ready, we'll just jump right in. And we wanted to talk about the Packers and some of their pre-draft and pre-free agency stuff. So um, I would say the first question we wanted to ask is, what do you think are the Packers' top three positions of need? Whew, that's a loaded question. And I think... <laughs> See, I think that's the thing that's so interesting about this offseason, right, is that it could literally be almost anything. It could be quarterback. It could be wide receiver. It uh, could be tight end. Um, could be edge rusher if everyone besides Gary is gone. You know, I, I think they're probably pretty good at running back, offensive line, corner for the most part, maybe safety, depending if Amos is back or not. But, man, I mean, it, just depending on what happens with the domino effect from Rodgers to – Adams to Devondre Campbell to guys like Billy Turner, Amos, Dean Lowry. I mean, you could go from if, if they bring the majority of this team back, you know, everything's just kind of rounding out the edges, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you don't really have a major concern. Wide receiver probably becomes one of the, the top positions. If all of a sudden Rogers and Adams and Campbell are gone, well, then you're looking at just about everything, right? In, in, yeah. in, in sort of a rebuild sort of mode. So 
I think that's one of the things that's just so incredibly unique about this offseason is normally around this time I can look you guys, you know, look at you guys and be like, all right, here's the three things they need. Here's the three things that are probably going to happen. Here's the two or three guys that are going to get cut. Here's two or three free agents they might look at. And this is just until that first domino falls, as, as kind of Brian Gutekinds was saying just the other day, it's it's near impossible to be like, all right, it's this, this, and then this, because this could go, it, I've, I've equated it to, um, you know, Dr. Strange calculating the ways that he could potentially <laughs> beat Thanos, right? Like Brian Gutekinds and Russ Ball's heads just bobbing all over the place, trying to figure out exactly what way this is going to go. So um, your guess is as good as mine, but of course, wide receiver, depending on Adams, MBS, you know, everything, Cobb, et cetera, is, is going to be one to really keep an eye on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, for me, the three that I listed, assuming that what I think is that Rodgers and Devontae will, will have it worked out. For me, I still went for uh, defensive end, wide receiver, and tight end. Jake, I don't know if those are the three you're looking at, too. No, my my top three. First of all, nice to meet you, by the way. Loved, <laughs> like loved your video that you put out the other day. I really loved listening and hearing about your story. That was actually awesome. And you just lit a fire in me, man. You just made me Thank want to you. be better. I appreciate that. Um, but the top three positions that I did, a little less heartfelt here. Um <laughs> I did defensive line slash defensive end, tight end, and I went offensive tackle. I think getting a, you know, since we have Bakhtiari locked up, I think getting a really good, you know, right tackle, you know, kind of like what Tampa Bay did a couple years ago when they drafted Wirth, and now they're just set at offensive line for years. You know, I think that's something that could be really important, you know, either for protecting Rodgers because, you know, he's 38 years old, or the growth of Jordan Love if that's the route that they end up going. You just put a premier offensive line in front of him, have two good running backs, and you kind of just build from there. That's what yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, and these, this is why like team building is so interesting, right? Because there's no perfect way. There's no system that you can follow to a T and be like, all right, do this, and then you win a Super Bowl. Yeah. There's so many different things. You have to look at your strengths and weaknesses, right? Like I think one of Green Bay's legitimate strengths is Adam Stenovich. And, you know, you might not need premium players at premium positions because he's shown that he can get by with those. Now, I think the other thing here is, is – is David Bakhtiari good to go moving forward? If so, then you've got, you know, a really great left tackle uh, for the foreseeable future. And is Elton Jenkins in the cards to move to right tackle long-term, which I don't think is out of the question either. And now I said, talking, I said that before the show, I was actually proposing that to Jake. Yeah. So, I mean, if all of a sudden, you know, by mid season next year, Jenkins and Bakhtiari are your starting tackles, you know, that's as good as it gets. And, um, you know, so then it doesn't become as much of an issue. Mm-hmm. However, we don't know fully on Bakhtiari. We don't know if Billy Turner is going to be back. And I think you also have to quite, you know, we also know that Elton Jenkins can play well anywhere. Right. So, you know, his, his ability to be a unicorn and line up at any position and be great is sort of his strength. So, you know, just plugging him in at right tackle and being like, all right, we're just going to leave you there. Well, there's some advantages to that. You sort of lose out on one of your biggest um, strengths and just his versatility. So, that's why I think this is just such a, a really unique conversation to have is because you can make an argument that, you know, continuing to build depth on the O-line, whether that's for Rogers or Love or whomever else, is going to be super important. You could make an argument of, you know, I've seen I've seen this Packers team with great offensive lines. I've seen them with great running games. I've seen them with really good tight ends. I've seen them with, you know, solid. We saw the defense last year, right? Great corners. The one thing I haven't seen yet, at least as of late, since, you know, since the, uh, you know, Jordy and, and uh, Jennings and, and those sort of things, we haven't seen that explosive wide receiver core. Like just a, just the player to get them over the top and be like, you know what? Screw it. 
We're, we've got Aaron Rodgers and we have Devontae Adams and we've got this guy and we've got this guy in the slot and screw you. We're putting up 40 points a game. And you know what? <laughs> Good luck. We've got Jair and Stokes at corner. We've got Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark rushing the passer. We're going to take you out of being able to run the ball because we're going to put up 40 some points in a game. So, you know, if it's, if it's Rogers getting, you know, somehow some more weapons, some more explosiveness, some more run after the catch guys, that to me uh, is still something that I don't think we've quite tested yet. I don't, not, not since Rogers has been in his prime and in a way you bring him back. I would love to see Goot somehow make some sort of splash move to say, all right, we're, we're just, we're weaponing up. We saw that a team can take Devonte Adams out of the, you know, out of the equation uh, with double covering them in the playoffs. We've seen that for a few years now. You know, we, we also saw Cooper Cup in the playoffs. And when Odell Beckham was on the other side, the same team, the same 49ers team that took Devontae out, couldn't just focus on Cooper Cup because they had Odell on the other side. They had to focus on both, and that allowed Cup to get some traction. So I would be intrigued to see what this, this offense and this team could do with maybe a little bit more firepower. How would you feel about, like, a Chris Godwin? See, I, that's the, t- the issue, right? It's like I don't think there's a, a world in which – they can spend the money that it's going to take mm-hmm. to get a top tier wide receiver in free agency. I, I just don't think it's realistic. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, whether that's you know going out and getting a you know a, a top tier draft pick at wide receiver, and legitimately, I know it's like oh the first round wide receivers, you know, such mm-hmm. a taboo topic or whatever. But um, whether it's something like that, whether it's trading a, a first round pick for. A, a young receiver who's super talented that's still in the first year of his your first contract. Right. So like he's not super expensive yet. Um, I, th- I think there might be some, have to be some creativity and thinking outside the box, but that might be the, the legit thing that you're, you're missing to maybe get you over the hump. What about a potential, this is more of a, probably more of a cost friendly guy, but what about say Jamison Crowder? Yeah. See, I think, I think there's all sorts of options there. Right. And I do think it's worth noting as well that, plug and play wide receiver in this offense isn't quite as easy as it sounds. It's not, it's not Madden. Um, so much of this offense is predicated on the blocking ability of these wide receivers and all those wide receiver screens to the outside that go for eight to 10 yards because the wide receivers are blocking really well. Um, some of the, a lot of the running game, Aaron Jones, getting it to the outside, AJ Dillon, getting it at the second level, those things are happening because the receivers blocking. And if you don't have that, the offense changes quite a bit relatively quick. So, like, yeah, like it, it sounds great, but if, if, you know, if Jamison Crowder's in the slot, something like that, and he's, he's not that guy, he's not, he's not blocking, you know, it, it's, it's not that super easy either, which is a, a huge reason why I don't think maybe, I think Beckham was going to go to the Rams either way, but like, maybe they weren't a little bit more aggressive in that is because again, the, this position in green Bay is more than just catching the ball and run after the catch. There's a lot that goes into it. And guys like MBS and Lazard EQ have mastered that other side of it and become really good blockers and know the offense and know the nuances. Um, now I was just wondering, do you have enough explosive firepower? I'm, I'm just going to cut out when we're done. I'm just going to cut out the part where you said this isn't Madden and that's the only part I'm going to share when we're done. <laughs> I got to say, say, man, I'll see you guys I later. You talk, I, talk, I heard you talking about Madden, how you were ranked in the top 100. I was actually ranked in the top 100 one time and I was like, man, I want to play this guy now. Do you play anymore or no? No, I'm awful. I'm absolutely awful. So, I mean, as I was mentioning in that video is like, I basically had to stop everything else. Right. So I've, um, as I mentioned, two kids, wife, family, you know, Davers in soccer all the time. You know, obviously they're both in school. I've got a 55 hour, 50, 55 hour work week, you know, job during the day. That's not anything Packers related. Um, you know, so I'm doing all of that. And then in my spare time, 
it's all Packers stuff is, is where my free time goes. So uh, the time to play Madden and watch movies and watch TV shows and do all that sort of stuff is basically gone out the window because in most times uh, I'm spending that time doing Packer stuff, recording the videos, you know, setting up the audio, et cetera, et cetera. So um, this is my fun. This is what I do to, you know, enjoy in, in, in my spare time. So all that other stuff is unfortunately taking a hit, which, and also when you do play at that level and when you are super competitive and when you have been ranked that high, uh, going out and not being good is not fun at all. So, no. and you know how, like, you know, the grind that it takes to like be that, you know, be that good at it. It takes a legitimate amount of time, effort, energy, like even strategy. Like I used to have very specific strategies and things that I would work on. And I mean, it's, it's like a, it's almost like a sport, right? So if you're not doing that and you're just sort of resting on what you used to be able to be good at, you know, 10 years ago, you're just not going to be that good. So that it's really frustrating if, I go out and play now and I can't just, you know, beat people by 30. It's uh, very demoralizing. I know that feeling now. I just had a kid, so I had to yep. take a lot of Madden time off. And it's like, golly, man, it's hard taking losses now, man. I've yep. just been wiping ass, man. That's all I've been doing. I hear you. So I know you didn't give any super specific positions of need or if you've gotten into any draft prep or so or just kind of getting into draft season. But are there any players just off maybe off the top of your head or guys that you've kind of started to look at that, that you're um, interested in some of the positions that the Packers could be needing? Yeah. Draft prep. I haven't really started yet. So my usual is, you know, end of you know January um, is still like recapping the season. So obviously I've got all the, the film study mm-hmm. and season that I'm doing January sort of wrapping everything up. And then February is my month. I always start like I did like the first three prospects right away in February. And then I am like, I I'm just drained. Like I need, I need my time to relax and re-energize just a little bit. So February is usually where I take a little bit of time to recharge the batteries a bit. And then in March, I start diving into the draft. And of course, free agency comes and that all comes together. And then of course, you know, so March and April become warp speed with, with draft stuff and starting to really watch all 22 and, and film breakdown on prospects and stuff like that. And my goal every year is, you know, I don't really need to go. I would love to, but just from a time standpoint, I don't really need to get, you know, past the top 100. Um, I really want to know the top 100 guys really, really well is, is my goal uh, each year. And then have a, like at least an understanding of who like the next 200 guys are just in like a roundabout capacity, right? Where they played, what their skills were, maybe a couple highlights here and there that I can at least have an understanding of like, okay, that's who this is. Um, but once March picks up, I'll dive really hard and aggressively into those top 100 prospects to know. And then, you know, when Green Bay has their, their top three selections in the draft, I can speak very educatedly to those. And then rounds four through seven, I'll go and do film study once they've actually selected the players and so on and so forth. All right. So I just want to throw out the Packers have met with four guys that I've found so far. It's um, an offensive lineman, Shamarius Gilmore, a tight end, Chigo Ziem Okonkwo, and then two wide receivers, Traylon Burks and Taysier Mack. If you had to pick one of those four, who do you think is the most likely to end up in Green Bay? Yeah, I mean, literally, you guys might as well be speaking a foreign language to me right now. Um, <laughs> because, I, like I said, I just haven't done too much draft prep yet. Um, Burks would be super intriguing within the offense. I do know a little bit about him. Um, obviously, his explosivity and his ability to get down the field. But again, wide receiver in this offense is a lot more than just catching the ball and run after the catch and stretching the field. So, um, but I, like I said, going into this off season, I would love to see some more explosive playmakers for Rogers. We've seen what guys like an AJ Brown or a Debo Samuel or a Debo Metcalf 
even guys that are taken in the second round, you know, like th- that they can add to the team guys like uh, Michael Pittman jr. And uh, you know, T Higgins, you, you know, there's, there's been guys that have been available mm-hmm. in that early second round of, of the draft that have really made an, a difference and an influence. So uh, finding a guy like that, adding them to this offense yeah. and uh, hope, you know, hope, hopefully thriving with that type of player would be, would be very interesting and intriguing to me. I like that. Um, what was your, what were your impressions of the Rich Bisaccia hire? I mean, on, on that own, does it, uh, on its own, does that fix special teams? No, certainly not. I, I love the hire. I, I think, and I've equated this basically to, you know, you've got a really crappy restaurant, like a, just a brutally crappy restaurant, awful ingredients, awful location, awful feng shui, scenery, setting, awful waitresses and waiters. You've got just the worst setup you could possibly have. And if you're only, um, fixed to that is bringing in a new chef, you're still going to suck, right? Like your ingredients are still terrible. Uh, everything about your place is still awful. Yep. So if it's just a new chef, doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. Um, you need new ingredients. You need uh, a new you know, practice schedule. You need to train everyone up better. You need to have a full organizational recharge of what this, you know, what this third tier, you know, not offense, not defense, but special teams, what this means to your franchise and that, again, you don't have to be amazing at it, but you certainly can't be bad at it and you can't be the worst ever at it. So uh, I think it's going to take uh, more than just a hire. I love the fact that they brought in Basaccia. To me, one of my favorite aspects of that hire is he just came from a really awful situation with the Raiders, right? Like coach gets canned, you know, mid season uh, amongst odd circumstances. You've got a wide receiver that gets into, you know, but you have to cut because of all the legal issues and, and the stuff that he does off the field. Mm-hmm. This team is in a division with Patrick Mahomes and, and Justin Herbert, and yet somehow he leads them to a playoff berth. And uh, I think a deserved one and one that I never would have expected that they would have been able to get to, especially with the way that AFC was playing down the down the stretch. And I think if, if you can take that team and that situation and somehow find a way to get them to the playoffs, that shows me that you know how to handle a crappy situation and make the most of it. Well, welcome to Green Bay Special Teams. About as crappy of a situation as you can possibly have. Let's see man, if you can make oh the man. most of it. Man, oh man. <laughs> yeah, he was he got some coach of the year buzz from what he did with, with yeah. you know the wasn't, last half. Right, wasn't far off the from the floor. He had like yeah. two, two or three less votes than the floor did. Yeah. Um and with that too, I mean, I forgot what I was gonna say about that too. Um I love that analogy of the of the restaurant. I think that's a really good analogy of, of a way to explain it. Um, so this is a kind of a broad question, but what kind of personnel fixes can the Packers do to kind of fix their special teams? It's obviously not going to happen with just one player, but um, what kind of personnel fixes could they make? Yeah, I think it's just prioritizing it, right? So like even in the past, they've had guys on the roster like Anthony Levine and, and Chris Banjo who left Green Bay and literally had decade-long careers in the NFL as special as special teams guys, like those are the guys that you need to like those. Not only did those guys thrive on special teams, they loved special teams. Like that was their thing. Yeah. Chris Banjo and Anthony Levine, probably not going to bring a ton to the table, but this is a perfect example, right? Vernon Scott was kept on the, on the roster last year as a safety Vernon Scott. I think, I don't even like, I don't know if he was active for a game. If it was, it was like, one game, he didn't play a snap on defense. They kept him on the roster all year as basically a redshirt guy. And he brought nothing to the table on special teams. He didn't do anything on defense. 
And their Green Bay's philosophy, and this has been something we've seen with guys in the past, like Alex Light, with Yash Nyman, with Tim Boyle, where they're giving some of these young, undrafted, in his case, late-drafted guys, redshirt seasons to hope that they eventually develop into something. And Yash Nyman turned out to be a pretty great story this past year in doing that. And you're going to get some success stories every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Again, Yash being that. But this past season, if you're if the last guy on your roster is in a, in a season where you're all in, right? A season where you're completely all in and trying to win a Super Bowl and you know what that season means to you, keeping Vernon Scott as your 53rd guy who literally doesn't see the field all season instead of going out and you know finding a guy or keeping a guy in your roster that can just be a special teams demon and a special teams guru and loves it and is a captain of it. And like, that's what they're there for. Those are the sort of decisions that you need to make. It's, it's not like there's a time and a place where keeping those guys at the end of the roster um, pay off and, and can eventually pay dividends in these type of seasons. When you are all in, all in, all in, there's no room. There's no room for a Vernon Scott as a, you know, well, we hope he turns out two years from now that has yeah. to be a specialist that has to be a guy who can go down and be a top gunner on special teams. That can just be a game wrecker on special teams who can punt protect. So you don't have a blocked punt on special teams. So I think it's just that overall thought process and philosophy of, you know what, those last three, four guys on the roster who, yeah, we would love to keep on the roster and develop, you know, for a handful of seasons from now, screw that. You can't do that right now. Mm-hmm. You've got to go all in, you got to win and you got to keep those specialists on the roster. Well, if you want an example, just look at New England. Matthew Slater's been playing there for, what, 10 years? Guy's a Plus, pro bowler yeah. every year. All he does yeah. is play special teams. He's the best in the league. I know that he's the peak. But those are decisions that Bill Belichick makes that keeps them winning, even with yeah. guys like Mac Jones. You know, it's just – I agree with you 100%, and it hurts my heart that we lost the way we did. Oh, my yep. God. That was so gut-wrenching, man. <laughs> it's, uh, it was not fun. I was there. Not, not fun at all. Uh, I so, got offered tickets. I just had to work really early in the morning on Sunday, and I was just like, "Nah, you're lucky." What if we lose? <laughs> so I got a couple things. James is in the comments. He said, "Sign a new punter." We're gonna get to punter right before we do that. I got a question from our buddy Cody. If you had to keep one and cut one between MVS and Lazard, who do you keep and who do you cut? Um, I, I mean, so so contract matters here, right? So like the the rates of each receiver is, is definitely if, if MVS starts to get in that. I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine million per year range, uh, which I don't know is necessarily going to be the case. But if that starts to happen, um, I, I'm more apt to, to move on in that situation. Um, I think Alan Lazard's a really sneaky, interesting uh, like discussion as well, because if you if you don't, you know, if you tender him as like a right of first refusal, right, it's like a couple, a little over a couple million uh, for for his services for the season. That sounds great, right? That's a no brainer. Two million for Alan Lazard, I'm in, right? But yep. in that case. Teams can sign them to offer sheets and they can front load the contract and make it so that Green Bay can't match it. And Green Bay would get nothing back in return. It would cost the team nothing. So basically he becomes an unrestricted free agent is what it does. And in that situation, not sure Lazard ends up back in Green Bay. If they sign him to a second round tender, uh, then he's not going anywhere. Nobody's giving up a second rounder for Alan Lazard. You guarantee he's going to be on the roster. But then he comes in at just a, a shade under $4 million for the season. Okay, in a vacuum for one year, four million for Alan Lazard. When you consider that his replacement, no matter who it is, is basically going to cost around a million um, at minimum. Like just like the the sixth wide receiver on the roster is going to cost like a million dollars. It's like three million more, right? So it's not like super exorbitant. But when you start thinking of like, all right, if you do a long term deal with some voids for like a Razul Douglas or a Devondre Campbell, 
like their first year in that deal is probably around three to $4 million. And it, when we start having to pinch pennies, because potentially you've got Adams and Rogers on these massive deals and you only have so many of these little small contracts to go around, are you going to prioritize a guy like Douglas and uh, maybe a Devondre Campbell or a one-year deal for an Alan Lazard? And I think that becomes a really sneaky conversation as well. So uh, just in general, I, I probably would lean MBS over Lazard if given the choice, like if apples to apples, right? If everything's equal. Uh, but I think there's an avenue where both are back. I think there's an avenue where both are gone or that either on the team. Uh, but I would give a slight nod to, to MBS if all things were equal. I'm the MBS uh, fan on the show. Just so you know. <laughs> I, I was the Lazard guy last season. And that was, I mean, that's worked out. I mean, for me, it's the touchdowns. I mean, he had eight touchdowns this season, and that's 16th in the NFL. Uh, yeah. More touchdowns than Keenan Allen and, and Gronkowski and guys like that. So, I mean, that was uh, interesting to see how that worked out. But, you know, the way that you break it down with the contracts is is definitely how that's going to end up panning out. But um, one more question from the from the comments section. Is Oren Burks keeper let go? I think he'll I know be gone. how I feel about this one. <laughs> yeah, I think he'll be gone. I, I, I mean, if I'm Oren Burks' agent, I'm going to say, hey, let's try something new, right? Like, you know, you had your opportunities in Green Bay. An undrafted guy in Chris Barnes beat you out. They signed a, a guy to a cheap contract. He beat you out. Um, Ty Summers, a seventh-round pick. He beat you out. Like, yeah. you're you're just a fifth or sixth inside linebacker who's mm. – they've tried you at different things, and you're on some special teams, and that's it. You've got upside. Some other team is going to sign you to a, a deal and give you an opportunity. Why not go somewhere else and try something different? That, that's what I – if I was his agent, that's what I'd be saying. If I'm Green Bay – I'm really saying the same thing, right? All right, we, we tried him some at outside linebacker. We tried him at inside linebacker. We tried him on special teams, and Chris Barnes beat him out. Devondre Campbell beat him out. You know, Christian Kirksey beat him out. Yeah, like go on and on and on. Like basically, Ty Summers, everyone's beat him out, right? So at, at that point, you just got to be like, you know, yeah, there's maybe still some upside there. Maybe there's some untapped potential. But you've gone through two regimes, Mike Patton and, uh, and uh, uh, Joe Barry, You've gone through different linebacker coaches. You've given him ample opportunities at different positions. If it hasn't clicked at this point, you're more willing to say, all right, you know what? If he goes somewhere else and tears it up, so be it. But uh, probably not going to be that guy. And if somebody wants to pay him, so be it. Let him go. I honestly, I wanted Oren Burks gone in the middle of the season. His tackling, no matter where he was, was just awful last year. So yeah. I, I was. He was out I'm, of position a lot. I, I'm good with moving on from Oren Burks. Um the next question we wanted to ask is, should the Packers keep Corey Bajorquez and Mason Crosby? I know Crosby is kind of up in the air a little bit if he's potentially mulling retirement, but um, do you think the Packers should keep those two guys with the new special teams coordinator coming in? Yeah, I would really lean towards keeping Bajorquez. Um, I, I just think that it's really tough to punt in Green Bay, and I know his numbers at times uh, you know, were a little bit up and down, a little bit inconsistent. He seems like a super motivated dude. He's got a huge leg. And I, I think sometimes we forget that, you know, now there's going to be eight or nine home games at Lambeau. There's a game in Chicago. You know, you're already looking at, you know, nine to 10 games of the 17 that are potentially in poorer conditions or at minimum outdoors. Uh, yeah, you get a game in Minnesota, you get a game in Detroit, but you also might have a game in Denver or KC or, you know, who knows else, uh, New, maybe England. New York, Buffalo. New England, Buffalo, yeah. exactly, where all of a sudden you're, you know, 12, 13 outdoor games. Uh, but then, you know, and I think that that can be uh, an effect. And I think that's a lot of the reason why it has been a struggle for, for punters in Green Bay for some time. So 
Um, it's certainly not ideal conditions. I thought he did a pretty darn good job. And again, depending on what the contract is, I would, he's still young enough. You traded two picks for him. I know you got one back, but like you, you traded picks for him. I, I would more lean towards, you know, bringing him back and, and seeing what he can do moving forward. Um, as far as kicker, and we've seen the, like the alternative, right? Like Green Bay's had so many awful punters that Bojo looks like a pretty darn good option in comparison. Yeah, yes. And then uh, yep. from a Crosby standpoint, I mean, I will be the first to admit like special teams is not my forte. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's tough to say like how much of that was on Crosby, how much of it was on Bojo as the holder, how much of it was on Hunter Bradley and Steven Wordle as long snappers. Like, I think there was a lot going on there. The protection was brutal all year that, which probably made Crosby speed things up, uh, which makes him a little bit more inaccurate. So I think in general, you, you still probably have some faith that, of, of all things, it was probably not him as much as others, although it looked like there were times where things were perfect and, you know, he just wasn't banging it through the upright. So I think the biggest thing with Crosby is I don't think you can bring him back at his current salary cap structure. So it's going to either take some sort of, uh, you know, restructure or, or, you know, reduction in cap, I think, to bring him back. I think otherwise, you know, what you saw last year, I think it, it probably just behooves you to go in a different direction at that price. This is an interesting question that Brad asked in the comments. But the XFL and the NFL partnering out to try rule changes. What kind of rule changes do you think you'd like to see the XFL try out? I would like to see them try out not call taunting penalties, uh, like (laughs) stupid, ridiculous taunting penalties. Um, I would like to see them try to do maybe some different stuff with pass interference. I think they, uh, like, I don't know what, like, the ideas would be, but some of those um, ones where it's like 30 yards underground. Yeah, or yeah, even the one they're just in, like maybe that or the like the ones that are like thirty yards underthrown and the receivers trying to come back and like like those plays are just brutal. Like it was never going to be completed in the first place. Like I just think some things like that. Um, I, I would love to see overtime. Uh, you know, changed mm-hmm. up. I would love yep. to see. Like I, I actually really yeah. like the XFL's kickoff rule where the guys were ten yards apart and then you kicked off and the, but this side couldn't go until the the guy touched the ball. Um, and I think that was a, a, a really creative way to minimize injuries and uh, still make it that there's a kickoff. Yeah. Um, I think all those sort of things would be things that would be at least on the top of my head. Um, same thing is, is there a way you can make the the catch easier, you know, to, 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 you know, rule what is and isn't a catch, which still seems to be a nightmare every single year. So I think it's just all Man. those, you know, fringe rules. I, I think people forget though, sometimes like this is an imperfect game. This, there, there's, there's so many things that happen in a, and like an instant that you could legitimately go one way or the other on any given play that you have to take some of the imperfections with it. But I love the fact that they have that relationship and that they're going to try to improve the game and, and just see what, you know, creative rules might work to make the, the ultimate sport better. Yeah. Baseball did that a little bit with their minor leagues and they tested Absolutely. out some rules. Um, he, the same guy asked, what would you do with overtime games? My, my thing that I proposed was if the first team goes and scores a touchdown, the other team would get a, you know, you get a kickoff. My proposition was you get a two-minute warning, or two, you get a two-minute drill to go and then potentially tie the game as opposed to, you know, a touchdown and the game's over. That was my proposal was just a two-minute, you get a two-minute drill to tie the game. That was my idea. I don't know if you have a different idea. What would you do with overtime? Yeah, I have a lot of th- things that I would like to see tried, to be quite honest. But uh, the one that I'm really leaning towards right now that I, I, I tend to like, and I think makes sense and kind of keeps the consistency of the game intact is the home team automatically gets the ball in first in overtime, get rid of the coin flip. And what the reason I love this 
is because and keep the same rules as it is. You score a field goal or whatever, the other team gets a rebuttal. And if it's a touchdown, the game's over. And the reason I like that is because then the onus is on the road team to not go into overtime. The, the road team knows that they are behind the eight ball, that they need to win in regulation. And if they don't win in regulation, the home team is going to get the ball first. Or may or you could also do it this way where the home team gets to choose if they want to get the ball first or kick because maybe it's a very defensive game and the wind's all over the place. The home team gets to choose uh, if, if, it, if they want to receive or kick uh, to, to start the overtime. That's, that's, I think, an easy fix because it takes chance out of it. Every mm-hmm. team knows going in and it gives the home team another advantage, right? Right. And in, in that scenario, you know, if you're at home, you get the ball first in overtime, crowd's going to be on your side. And again, I think you'd see more two point conversions by the away team at the end of the game mm-hmm. to avoid overtime, which I think makes things more exciting. Yep. And it just takes any sort of random chance of who gets the benefit of the ball first or that choice out of the equation. And if you're the better mm-hmm. team in the playoffs, you should get that benefit. If you're the better team in the Super Bowl, the better seed, you should get that advantage. So to me, that that's a really easy fix where it takes chance out of it and it, it eliminates all of the sort of concerns that anyone has to this point. And like you can say then, like if it happens in that that Chiefs Bills game of like, well, Josh Allen didn't, you know, get to touch the ball. Well, you know, in that in A, in that case, he would have, right? Well, no, were the Bills the home team or the Chiefs the home team? Chiefs the, are the home Chiefs, team. Chiefs. Yeah, Chiefs are home team. So I guess, you know, he wouldn't have, but they would have known before that, you know, that hey, if, if we don't want this to go to OT we better go for two, two and, and take, yeah. take the, the chance out of it. We're going to put the ball in Josh Allen's hands rather than our defense's hands. Well, that's, that's, yeah, I like that too. Cause I yeah. really like that, that thought of, you know, that gives a little bit more incentive for you to go and get a higher seed is that overtime is on your side yep. and, and it's less Keeps of a 50, 50 chance of winning a, a coin toss. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I like that a interesting lot. Part of that too. That's good. I like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's been, that's been my favorite one so far. Like I, there's other ways that I think you can make it very entertaining, um, but to me, that again, that takes any just the randomness out of it, and mm-hmm. it, it, it it's very clear going into the game what you have to do. And you, I don't think you can pl- complain and be like, "Well, we didn't have a fair chance." Well, you know, you absolutely did. You were the road team. You know, if you didn't want it to go to OT, mm-hmm. you better freaking want it in regulation. Yeah. Yep, I like that. So this is kind of a our buddy James asked us more of a, a basic football question. Do you think the pressure is more on the offense to score or on the defense to get a stop on a regular drive, just any game? Hmm. So I, it's a tough question. And the reason I say this is I, I really believe that each game lives in sort of its own vacuum. Each game is sort of its own entity. That 49er Packer game was a defensive struggle. I, I think the, in a way that like you knew that this was going to be a low scoring game, poor conditions, poor weather, quarterbacks weren't playing great. Guys were making uncharacteristic mistakes. We saw a drop from George Kittle. We yeah. saw Mercedes <laughs> Lewis had like, this was just going to be a defensive struggle. And I think in that scenario, the onus is on the offense to not turn over the ball. I think the onus is on the defense to continue to play consistent football, make them drive the length of the field and not give up big plays. I think the onus is on the special teams to do your job and pin the other team down so that they have to go the length of the field and not make catastrophic mistakes. Um, I just think every single game has its own identity. And in certain cases, that's going to put a ton of pressure on the offense to put up serious points in certain cases it's going to put a ton of pressure on the defense to know that if we allow 14 points we're going to lose this game i think in other cases as as again that 49er game not to keep you know tearing the flesh wound back open but um you know special teams has a ton of pressure on it so and, and i think even like everything like a missed field goal like we saw with with crosby the block field goal like all of those things play a massive role in a low scoring game like that so i just think every game has its own unique identity and it's it's going to be different for for every game 
I think for me, it this was a, a season long thing. Something that I brought up basically every week was third down defense. Yeah, that was something that I always came back to. I think it was like a ten percent difference in what most teams were converting and what the Packers were giving up. I think you. I mean, that's why they spend so much time in those special situations, right? Third and fourth down defense and red zone, right? Like, th- th- there's three things that teams are going to preach ultimately: turnovers, third and third and fourth down efficiency, and red zone offense and defense. Like, if you can win in those three categories, you're going to win more often than not. And you, you know, if you want to start trending things out, the first thing I look for at a game. Um, if you want to tell early is who's winning the trenches, if a team is consistently winning in the trenches um, on both, especially if it's on both sides of the ball, it, it's just going to be really like the other team so far behind the eight ball in that situation. And then after that, I'm looking at, okay, what are the, the turn, what's the turnovers, what's the third down percentage and fourth down percentage. And then what's the uh, uh, red zone, you know, efficiency. And if you, know, those are the things that the team spends so much time on ball security and special situations. And if you can master those, you're going to have a great opportunity to be very successful. Green Bay over the course of the years has done really well with turnovers, mostly good with red zone offense, a little bit worse this year, mostly Uh poor with red zone defense times. They were better this year. Um, And then usually they're very good on third and fourth downs, but um, those are the things that I'm always looking for. All right. This is a potentially a long winded question, but let's say, let's say tomorrow Rogers announces that he retires. How would you gauge Jordan loves readiness? I don't think he's ready. Um, I don't think that would necessarily matter. I think he would probably be the starter one way or the other. Um, I think they definitely probably bring in someone, right? Whether it's a Marcus Mariota, whether they trade for, you know, some, you know, a different quarterback, whatever the case may be. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, maybe something, I, I would even think it would probably be somebody like a lower tier quarterback just to be like, a sort of soft competitor when they know they're going to take a, I'd take a flyer on Tyler Huntley from Baltimore. Honestly, that could be, he looked good in, in Lamar Jackson's absence. I'd take a flyer on him. That could be, you know, there's a few different options that they could go with, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if they brought in competition, but I, I, you know, here's the easy tell, right? If, if Jordan love was ready to play and ready to compete at anywhere near a high level, you take the boatload of picks and, and you know, you move on from Rogers and you get your salary cap. Right. And the fact that green Bay is not only like, not interested in doing that, but like not even remotely interested in doing that to the point where they're going all in mortgaging the future, bringing in Tom Clements and just doing everything they can to hold on to Aaron Rodgers like grim death. I think that ultimately tells you all you need to know of, all right, if, if Rogers isn't here, uh, this, this could go rather poorly. So I don't think it's a, a, you know, I don't think it's a be all end all for Jordan love. I think he's got a lot of career and future ahead of him. I think he can still be a very good quarterback in this league. I would just be pretty surprised if all of a sudden week one comes along, Jordan loves your starter and he's all of a sudden throwing three fifty, four touchdowns, no picks. Um, I'll be the first to say that uh, I'd be a little surprised by that. <laughs> yeah. I'm throwing a parade. If he does that week one, right? Oh, Same. <laughs> um, you brought up Tom Clements, which is something we wanted to ask you about is what do you think that, what do you think his impact is on potentially Aaron Rodgers and Jordan love? I mean, I think their hope is that it brings Aaron Rodgers back, right? Like, I think yeah. just similar to Randall Cobb last year, anything Randall Cobb could have provided outside of bringing Aaron Rodgers back is, you know, icing on top of the cake. So if, if he can help bring Aaron Rodgers back, then he, he's basically paid his price as coach. Uh, but I think he's also just a really good quarterback's coach. I think he's been able to really get some of the best years out of Aaron Rodgers. And I also think, mm-hmm. you know, if, if it is Jordan Love, right, like how many quarterback coaches have, you know, would you rather have? that have been able to mentor someone like Aaron, especially in in sort of some of those transition years. 
and uh and now you know impart that wisdom into to jordan love so um i think it's a really smart hire all the way around i think there's no real downside i think there's upside every single angle that you look at it and uh really smart hire for green bay yes this is a really easy question do you think the packers use their franchise tag I think they'll use it if they can't get a deal with Adams prior to the end of the tag deadline. Um, I don't think they want to. I don't think Adams wants it at all. Like, so I think the scenario where this happens is Rogers is back. Rogers says I'm back, but like you need to get Adams back too. And then probably Adams and his agent get hit wind of that and say, Oh, you're only going to, you know, you're you're only going to get Aaron back if you get Devonte back. Well, that just added four or five more million per season to yeah. <laughs> uh, to Devonte's deal, right? And then you know Green Bay has to give some assurance to Aaron and say, hey, if if we don't get something done, we're going to franchise him to make sure that he's back this season. And uh, while we continue to work on a long term deal, I think there's an avenue there. Um, you know how that goes with Devonte and, and how those you know how those things work. You know from a you know order of operations standpoint remains to be seen. Like I said, I don't, I definitely don't think they want to do that, but it, it wouldn't shock me if that ended up happening. So a question from our friend, David just asked if, would they keep Adams if Rogers leaves? No, I don't see a scenario where Rogers isn't on the team and Adams is back. Oh okay. man. Talk about a gut hit. Oh, I just, I just, I mean, that, that kicks I mean, everything. I don't, I don't think you do that to Adams first of all, right? Because like his legacy is on the line. He's almost 30. He's the best wide receiver in the, in football. Like, are you really going to franchise him and keep him around? Like Adams, I'm sure probably doesn't want to be there in that situation. He's done so much for your team. I still, I think you probably sign and trade him in that situation. I, I don't think you probably do that to him. And from your standpoint, like why are you giving 30 mil to a wide receiver when you know your championship window is not going to be open until he's well past his prime anyway? Yeah. Like it just, it doesn't make sense all the way around. I, I can't imagine a scenario where, where that happens. They could probably all get right. two first for Adams, honestly. It could be a big haul. You, you just never know. I don't want it to happen, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. All right. Last question we wanted to ask you, if you had to pick in free agency, if it comes down to it between Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas, who do you resign? I think you got to go Campbell. I think, you know, with no Douglas, you still have Stokes and Jair. With yep. no, yep. with no Campbell, it's Chris Barnes and a bunch of question marks. Right. So um, I just think, you know, first team all no. pro linebacker, <laughs> you know, uh, you who played great all season, Rasul Douglas still had like, what, eight, nine games, something like that. So, um, really love Douglas. Think he makes a ton of sense. Would love to see him back in Green Bay. Uh, but if I had to choose between the two, it's a pretty pretty big no brainer for for uh, Devondre for me. I, so I, I got I got a question just popped up. Did you do you have season tickets? I do. Um, I haven't used them as much because I'm credentialed now, so I just sit in the press box. But oh, um, that's awesome. Do have I do have season tickets as well? So I'll usually go to one or two. You know, usually at least one, maybe two games per year. I just sit in the stands and then the rest of the time I usually uh, go up in the press box. Did you sit in the stands for the Rams or the bears game? No, no, I was in the stands for the Seahawks game for sure this past year. And I, Oh, in the lions game. I, uh, for the first time ever, I got to go to back-to-back games. So I saw, I saw both the pick sixes from Rasul Douglas. I got to say, one of the best experiences of my life. Like, Rasul again. That was so sick, man. Yeah, I, was, I think, it was, I think it was in the press box for both of those games, but it wasn't in the stands for either of those games. It was loud. It was very loud for the Bears game. There was a lot of talking back and forth. I was in a section, and it was crazy to me. Uh, I was in a section where there was, like, eight Packers fans and, like, 50 Bears fans. And I was like, am I at Lambeau Field? Are all the Bears fans in one section? It was just crazy to me. But there was a you lot of shit the, You were on the east side of the stadium. Yes, yes, I was. <laughs> 
but they were cheap tickets, hundred bucks. I couldn't say no. I was there like, you go. Let's do this. Oh, it was awesome. It was a great time. All right. Well, we want to definitely thank you for joining us. It was uh, definitely some good insights. Some I like. I still the. I think the restaurant analogy is, is going to stick with me. That's a really good one for special teams. So we want definitely want to thank you for for taking some time to join us. Hey, thanks, guys. It was awesome. I appreciated uh, your time and great talking to you. We'll have to do it again soon sometime. That would be awesome. Maybe in 10 years we could join you in the press box. There you go. Can't <laughs> wait to see you guys. <laughs> thank you. All right, thank you. Take care. Man. That was good. I like that. That, re- that restaurant analogy was awesome. All right. I don't feel as tight anymore. Oh, my gosh. I was, like, not breathing. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. Man, that guy... I would just love to just sit down and just have like a whole episode where it's just Packers and just have like a bunch of Packer guys on here and just talk football, man. That's just, that's the, dude, I feel like even just like the three of us, I bet we could, I bet we could easily talk for two hours. Easily dude. I, we aren't even, we aren't even heavily into draft prep yet. Like we're going to, we're going to talk through now the same questions we asked and we're going to give our thoughts on it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, and we're 45 minutes in and, and, and we haven't even said what we want to say yet. And we're not even super far in a draft season yet where it's like, you know, these are the guys that, you know, the Packers are interested in. These are the guys that are performing well in the combine. Like mm-hmm. we haven't even gotten into that yet. You know, we haven't even gotten into, these are the top 15 players at this position and this position. So, I mean, you know, you kind of gave your three positions of need, but for me, it's, it's D end tight end and wide receiver. And you said what offensive line, D-line. D-line, tight end, and offensive tackle. Okay. I'm not looking just so, strictly O-line. I'm looking offensive tackle. I want a good tackle. right tackle. All right. So those three positions for you, give me one player at each position that you're looking at. Uh, see, this was such a tease, man, and I fell in love with these guys because I'm just I'm watching highlight reel after highlight reel, and I'm reading mm-hmm. their information, and I'm seeing their mm-hmm. 40s, and I'm seeing all their abilities. And so – the first thing I did before I did anything is I wanted to see where we were picking, right? So we got the 28th pick, the 60th yep. pick, and the 92nd pick. And when I looked on the draft board, the 28th player available is actually one of my first guys. I was like, oh, okay, I'll look this guy up. He's a D-end. I want a D-end. This is, this is working great. His name is Logan Hall. Yes. He is a defensive end from Houston. Yep. This guy is big. He's fast. He uses his hands. He can play the three technique. He can play the five technique. He is 6'6", 280 pounds. He can do a kip-up. A kip-up is when you're laying on your back and you can kick yourself up. It's called a kick-up, kip-up. There's a lot of names for it. He's 280 pounds and he can do that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. You know, and he, he's just – he has two block field goals in his career. So he has a special teams impact. And he has eight sacks and 20 and a half tackles for loss. This guy would just be a dream next to Kenny Clark. He could play inside, play outside. Like, this is the guy right here. He's – He's the guy that I have for DN as well, and he's oh. billed as like a raw pass rusher. And you know who yes. the last guy was discussed as as a raw prospect, and we drafted him. Who's that? Rashawn Gary. Yes, yes. He was described as a raw prospect. Yeah, dude. There was a there was a play on his highlight reel, Courtney. I will not be trying to kip up because it'll just be me just jumping from my back to my back again. It would be like like a fish out of water, I feel like yeah. what Jake would look like. He'd just be flopping. It would just be his head going up and then his legs going up and then his head going up. <laughs> I have eight muscles. I pull eight, all huh? my muscles. I I'm going to be 30 over. years old. I'm I'd like, take over. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I'll take the over. <laughs> I'll take – if you double that, I'll still take the over. But anyways, um, 
this guy had a play where he ran a, a ran a running back down the field 20 yards on the field. He was fast and he caught him. It wasn't just like the running back was juking and doing all this stuff and that's like he caught him from behind and I'm like, yeah, this this is the guy. Logan Hall. That's the, that's the kind of guy you put across from Dean Lowry and you say, "Okay, Dean, you just don't let anything pass you. This guy's going to go get people." Yeah. That would be awesome. I agree. So I have the same one for DN. That's a smart man. All right, next position and player, who you got? So I didn't really put him in order, but on my sheet I have tight end second. And, okay. um, you know, we want Ferg. I would absolutely be yeah. okay with Jake That's Ferguson. He's rated as a sixth overall tight end and going into this draft. Uh, he's the 99th overall player, actually. Yep. Um, so he'd be right around our third round pick for value. I would, yeah. If he's in the fourth round, that's what I want. Oh yeah. Easily. Um, the guy that I have is Jalen Weidermeyer. He's a tight end from Texas A&M. Right. Um, he just has deep threat ability. He has rack ability. He commands the middle of the field. He has great hands. The only down, um, but he's another, you know, we just had someone on and he was talking about, you know, uh, big plays and going downfield and giving Rodgers more weapons, this is what this guy could be. He played wide receiver in high school. So then he transitioned to tight end and you know he's a he's a forty seventh overall prospect. He ran a four seven forty and I compared that to one of my favorite Packer players of all time. I know he's not everybody's, but I used to love Jermichael Finley. Jermichael Finley uh ran a four six and he was six five, two forty seven. You know, Jalen is around that size. He's six six. He's a big guy and he's just I think he'd look good with Aaron Rodgers. So my tight end pick, and if you're talking about the way that you like your guy, I told you the guy that I had was from a random university. Mm-hmm. My tight end is from Coastal Carolina. Okay. His name is Isaiah Likely. He has great hands. He's improved as a blocker as he's gone on. I would encourage you to look up Isaiah Likely from Coastal California. He's already um, – I already want him on the Packers. <laughs> so, All right. Um, I'm, I'm going to look him up. Um, one other guy that I would say could be a potential good fit for the Packers is Greg Dulcich from UCLA. Um, he's really fundamental. He kind of reminds me of Robert Tunyon. So if, you know, if the Packers were unable to bring him back, um, I would say Greg Dulcich could be a potential option. He's yeah. Like I said, very similar to Tunyon is what he reminded me of, um, looking him up, but, um, your last position, who are you looking at? All right. Offensive tackle. And, you know, Big Ten fans, Wisconsin fans, we play Minnesota every year. They have a right tackle. His name is Daniel Fa'alele. I had to learn how to say that name because I'm not going to let you show me up this year. Fa'alele. <laughs> he is 6'9", 380 pounds. And this guy is strong. I was reading an article on him when he was getting recruited. He was 17 years old and he wore a size 18. This how, much, guy's how much does he weigh? 380. Dude, you look him up. He doesn't look 380. That's the thing. He's just Jesus. gigantic. He is a massive human. And Jesus. when I I watched one highlight film, and I believe it was about eight minutes long. It was like the third video down on YouTube. And he was going against Ohio State, and they were trying to put a speed rusher on him. Right? You're thinking big, he's going to be slow. He's got great feet. This is a guy that I would draft in the second round, but he has first round you know, upside. And this guy is going to turn into, like, a really good right tackle, in my opinion. And the question I wanted to pose to you, say you have a 6'9", 380-pound right tackle, right? And he's leading the way. Would you rather tackle uh, Aaron Jones, speed and shifty, or would you rather tackle A.J. Dillon, 
You, remember, you got 6'9", 380 in front of you. Which running back are you more looking forward to? The answer is neither, by the way, because you're going to get ran over or you're going to get ran by. So, that's. I mean, I want him. He He's my first-round pick, honestly. That's who I want in the first round. I think he would be awesome. So, I've seen a couple mock drafts. We haven't even done any mock drafts ourselves yet because we haven't done our draft prep, our full draft prep. But a guy that I'm seeing around where the Packers are picking is Jahan Dotson. Um, Badgers fans should be familiar with him because he tore the Badgers up. He's a wide receiver from Penn State. Um mm-hmm. He had like four super deep plays and he finished with like five catches for like 105 yards and a touchdown against the Packers or against the Badgers. But he's fast. He's got decent size. Um, He would be, he's one of those guys that would be, you know, a potential playmaker on the wide receiver position. So um, right now, Jahan Dotson is a guy that I would be looking at. Um, Wide receiver is definitely going to be probably outside of Aaron Rodgers, probably the widest discussed position for the Packers mm-hmm. um, even after Devontae Adams' decision comes down. Um, you know, they're still going to be looking because the the conversation is so much Aaron Rodgers only targeted Devontae Adams in the 49ers game. Mm-hmm. What are the Packers going to do to give guys more targets for Rodgers that he feels that he can go to? Mm-hmm. Um, that, Brad, that's that's a question. If we traded Rodgers to Denver with the number nine pick, who are we taking? That, and I'll get back to you on that one. That's a, that's a question that I haven't really pondered because of the way that I feel about Aaron Rodgers, but um, I can look into that as a potential, you know, what if scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, yeah. That's an interesting I mean, question. So we're going to be doing I'll I'll I'll, I'll handle this. We were going to be doing we're going to be doing a bunch like a draft episode, right? So we're going to plan it. We're going to do our regular scheduled weekly episode and we'll do just a draft episode and we use a draft, you know, generator and we will probably, you know, we'll we'll throw that into a scenario where we trade Aaron Rodgers, we get the ninth pick and we'll what just kind of work through that and if we trade up to the ninth pick, we're taking a quarterback or a no, wide receiver. We're not taking a quarterback. We're taking a wide receiver. I would, I would I, agree with wide receiver. We're not taking a quarterback. Not I in would this not draft. put it past them. I'm just saying. Not I in would this not draft. Put it past them. Not in this draft. Well, who says they don't go get the Pittsburgh quarterback? Everybody's talking about him. He's going to be around be like, that range. He's going to be like the 30th pick. I've I've been seeing mid mid first man honestly because I can, Tampa, I can see Tampa Bay taking him at like 29. You think he'll fall that far? I don't know. I've been seeing mid. I don't know. We'll see. I mean that's conversation for another day i guess we'll, we'll find out quarterbacks usually go high that's all i'm saying their demand is high look i at, think look, the at, look at trubisky he got drafted is second this overall. isn't a quarterback heavy draft in the um dane brugler is the guy that i like to look for he's from the athletic for draft stuff um yeah. his top 100 as of the 19th so that's saturday has 14 wide receivers 17 edge rushers and four tight ends in the top 100 mm-hmm so that's that's 35 out of 100 at just those three positions. So if me personally, I'm either going wide receiver, if somebody like, say, Chris Olave was available at the nine spot, that might be where I go, or one of the edge rushers, because there is a lot of good edge rushers in this draft. True. Oh, man. I don't even want to think about a scenario where we trade Rodgers to Denver. I'd be so pissed. Oh, my God. I, I still just can't see it. I just <sighs> I really don't see it happening. I mean – um, the, 
I don't see Aaron Rodgers being okay with being like, guys, I'm going to retire. Do you want to trade me to Denver? And then I'll retire after you get your trade done. Like Rodgers isn't that guy to help you fleece Denver for no reason. So, you know, I, I, I don't see a scenario where Aaron Rodgers wears a Broncos jersey. Ugh. I've been seeing it enough with people putting it all over the internet. I'll say that. All right. So what what was your impression of the Rich Passaccia hire? Well, obviously, all good. Um, I can't see a scenario where you can't see a scenario, Rodgers in Denver. I can't see a scenario where our special teams could be any more, any worse than it is, you know? So, you know, you look at his ranks from just the last four years, and yes, before that, he had a lot of success with the Cowboys. Um, In 2018, he had the Raiders at 19th. In 19, he had the Raiders at 25th. 20, he had them at 16th. In 2021, last year, they were 11th in the special teams rankings. So, you go anywhere in that area, and you're thinking the Packers probably win that game against San Francisco, and we're playing the Rams in the NFC Championship game. And then who knows? Who knows what happens? The Rams have to come into the cold. We kind of own the Rams. Who knows what happens after that? But I think it was a great hire. Um, and we'll wait for the next question. But I, I just I don't think that it fixes. I don't think it fixes it right away. Him himself does not fix special teams. And that's part of why I like the answer that Andy Herman gave, where he's mm-hmm. talking about the restaurant. And, you know, just fixing one person in your restaurant doesn't turn your restaurant around. It, you know, it can help and it can begin – you know, it can begin to change. You know, culture is definitely something that you can bring in. Um, but, like, you know, just changing the coordinator itself doesn't help. But for me, what I liked about this what this hire is that he is loved by his player. He's loved by his players. And the Packers just recently brought in a coordinator who has been loved by his players. And that's Joe Barry. Joe Barry is loved by his players. He cares about his players. He's personal with his players. That's the kind of guy you want to have here. Not just an in-house hire who we brought up just because he's been around for a long time. So I'm, I, I like the hire and it's, it's a beginning of fixing something. So with that, how do you feel personnel wise? What kind of fixes can the Packers make? Well, um, he, you know, Herman brought up a lot of great points and you, you definitely have to have guys that just love playing special teams. Right. Um, I think you have to just find those guys that love playing special teams. If that's late draft picks. I mean, we, me and you have talked about Jack Sanborn from the Packers. Um, he's a guy that I think could turn in if he doesn't, you know, he has great instincts, so he could be a starting linebacker. I don't know, mm-hmm. but maybe he just loves running and hitting people. You tell you tell you put him in the right position, and that's what I'm expecting from Basachia is to put people in the right position, and then you get you get the right horses. And Sanborn could be a guy that turns into that. He's going to be a late draft pick. He just loves running into people. You you just tell him, hey, you run this line, and you run into him as hard as you can, and we could do that. The thing that I still don't understand, and I hope this definitely gets fixed. Why in the hell is Tyler Lancaster trying to block on a field goal? I still don't understand that. You keep all these backup offensive linemen. Yep, we draft yep. all these sixth-round linemen, these four yep. fourth-round linemen that don't even play, and you have your defensive tackle, a backup defensive tackle, blocking on a field goal in the playoffs. That makes zero sense. That absolutely made zero sense to me. Um, 
Oh my god, I'm still. Pi- oh my god, just talking about that damn game just pisses me off. But <clears throat> I think you know you just got to find the right players. If we if we end up with a Matthew Slater, I'll literally throw a party because we need a Matthew Slater. <laughs> I you know I I you know Andy brought up a guy named Chris Banjo. I'd like to see the Packers grab a gunner, grab somebody to be a gunner. A guy that I would propose for that is a guy that I wanted to see make the, the team last year is KB on Ento. Mm-hmm. Put him on the roster. We then this is something Andy Herman brought up Vernon Scott as a guy who's kept on the roster. We talked about this with the Bucks last week. You are in a win now mode. You are not in a position to be trying to hold on to guys just to develop them. I saw nope. somebody bring this up when the the, the Bucks signed Javante Carter. They're like, oh, why are we grabbing this guy when we could grab some a G League guy to put on the roster and develop him? The the Bucks are not in a position to develop. We are the championship window is open. Now is not the time to worry about developing guys. Now is the time to be all in. This is why I've been saying for probably three years now that the Packers need to be okay with potentially parting with some draft picks. I get that we love our draft picks. Jake and I love doing draft prep. We love doing mock drafts. You got to be okay with parting with a pick here once in a while. Man, the Rams just mortgaged the hell out of their future to go and get Von Miller. Obviously, they brought in Odell Beckham Jr., but that, you know, they didn't give up any draft capital for that. But They've, they did it to get Jalen too. Of their, they did it to get um, Jalen. Did it to get Stafford. Yeah, and Stafford. They, yeah. they sent. They they shipped out their future picks. Yeah. But you they know what did. they just did? They just won a damn Super Bowl. They literally just showed you that going all in works. It can work for you. Man, uh, do you remember? Uh, God, what am I thinking of? He was on Jacksonville. He got traded to Baltimore. Clayus Campbell. He got traded a couple years ago for a sixth rounder, and I was so upset. I've been wanting a freaking defensive lineman next to Kenny for years, man. And I'm like, Clayus Campbell is one of the best defensive ends in a 3-4 system in the entire NFL. He got yep. traded for a sixth rounder. Don't you think that move would have made a difference in Green Bay? Yeah, yep. we wouldn't have Tyler love, Lancaster out there for 40 yeah. stamps. Yeah, Clayus Campbell's a great human on top of being a giant person yes, that's yes, he good is. at football. But that's just those are the type of moves that you have to be okay to make. Like let's yeah. let's go get the damn thing. Stop talking about it. Mm-hmm. Actions, man. Actions. Yeah. Um, Brad asked, do you use starters on special teams? Why and not? My answer would be yeah. Why not? Like, yeah. If you're gonna go for it, go for it. Stop faking this love, man. Especially, Show me that you care. Especially in the playoffs. Yes. Go. Just go for it. it. You know, I get during the season, which now is a 17 game season, that you mm-hmm. know you got to have some depth, but game to game you don't need to be keeping three deep at every position just because yeah and tyler lancaster he's not on the roster anymore i'm pretty sure he's a free agent but he better not be out there blocking for field goals anymore i will lose my shit yeah offensive line is one where you keep depth but you don't need to have five safeties on the roster you don't need to have four safeties on the roster i'd be good with three you don't need to have fucking five cornerbacks on your (laughs) roster Uh, you might need five corners. I can see five corners. It's a passing league, so I can see five corners. I don't know about like a thousand defensive linemen because you want some of the block. Oh my god! I'm so well, even I mean, we talked about it last year. Even six wide receivers for yeah, a team that runs much. a lot of two tight end sets. And like you don't and need six wide receivers and runs the ball a lot. You know, I don't know. I mean, we talked about four tight ends. We were we were right on Sternberger getting cut. We were right on that. Mm. Um. But you don't need to be so deep at some of those positions that you know it mortgages your special teams. Now, 
one of my potential personnel fixes, this is a guy I called for last year when we did a free agent special, is go get Byron Pringle. He's a free agent again. Go get him to return punts. Um, I forgot who it was, but they were talking about Amari Rodgers. And mm-hmm. you put a guy in a situation who is a rookie trying to uh-huh. memorize a playbook, and now you say, oh, here, go do this for us too. Get a guy in just to return punts. Like Jamal Agnew, he's a he's signed for like another two years. But, I mean, there's guys out there that can do this and nothing else. Um, I think his name is Brandon Powell for the Rams. They brought him in to return punts, and that's it. <laughs> Go get Byron Pringle. He can return kicks for you until Kylan Hill is back from his injury. Mm. He can be a great punt returner instead of just getting five yards of return. I think it was, it was Tom Grassi that brought that up. And um, he, he catches like eight passes a year, so that's perfectly fine. <laughs> make make him a specialist. The Packers need some specialists on special teams, not just you know fourth string guys out there on special teams. Agreed. Stop throwing this unit together. Put it together. That's the impact that I'm hoping Basaccia can make, is that he's not just going to take what you give him. He's going to say, these are the guys that I want. Mm-hmm. you guys are, are going to come and do something and not just be here and try not to let a guy score or try not to fumble the ball or, you know, try not to, you know, step out at the 15 yard line on a kickoff return. It shouldn't be in a position where you trying not to screw up, go succeed. Yeah. Like show your impact, you know, like, all these guys work their whole lives to be in the NFL. Like, go make plays, man. Just go make plays at, at the end of the day. Uh, All right. Yeah, keep going. Should the Packers keep a Horquez and Crosby? I say yes to both. Um, everybody, everybody wants Crosby gone. And, you know, Herman brought up that it's hard to punt. I think it's also hard to kick. I mean, you're mm-hmm. thinking – you do your couple steps, but the ground is always different. You know, it's always different when you do that final step. And then, like I brought up a hundred times, they changed long snappers. So then his timing got changed. It's a new holder for the year. And, you know, with a new holder and then a new long snapper in the middle of the year, now that's a whole different process. It's like they just really just pulled the rug from the Crosby, in my opinion. And he wasn't great. I'm not just sticking up for him because I like him. But I think it is hard to kick overall in Green Bay. I mean, the wind, the weather, everything that's, you know, what is, counted for everything. What is one of the biggest things when you talk about Wisconsin weather, especially in the winter, what is what is like one of the main things people talk about? Well, it's cold, for one. In my and the wind chill. Yeah, wind chill. So it's cold and it's windy, which makes it colder. You know, it's, it's a hard job to do. Um, that said, um, yes, absolutely keep a Horquez. Um and then Crosby, whatever they decide to do with Crosby, honestly, I'm fine with it. They did just sign another kicker from uh, used to be on the Texans, mm-hmm. um, so I'm I'm fine with whatever they decide to do. Um, whether it's restructuring, keep him, totally fine with that. If it's Crosby retires, and you know they're going to have the guy that they've been protecting on the practice squad all year, and this new guy, have him Gotta be on the practice out. squad. Yeah. I'm perfectly fine with that too. Um, you know, whatever they decide to do, I'm fine with on the kicker front. What if they draft one? 
Better be like a sixth or seventh rounder. <laughs> you don't want a first round kicker? <laughs> no, I don't want Roberto Aguayo on our kind of fucking team. Uh, who did and the that? Bears brought him in. That was funny as hell. Was that the the Buccaneers or the Rams? Yes, it was. That? that was the Buccaneers that did yeah, that. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, well, bold strategy, Cotton. See if it pays off for him. Uh, no, no, it did not. <laughs> All right. How would you gauge Jordan Love's readiness level? Well, I mean, it, there there is no there's no gauge because he's only played one full game on the road. Uh, very and one of the hardest stadiums to play, um, it, and against one of, on the other sideline, it's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So I mean, you throw you throw a guy in that situation. Do you really expect him to just go nuts? I mean, the defense played amazing. I won't lie, but I didn't. I don't know. He's not ready, and there's going to be a really big learning curve, uh, bigger mm-hmm. than Rogers' learning curve. But I think, you know, we're going to get to the Tom Clemens question pretty soon here. I think that's where Tom can really, really make his impact, man. Um, He worked with Brett Favre. He worked with Aaron Rodgers, obviously, groomed him up to what he is now. Now, He's not going to take all the credit, but he definitely helped. And, you know, people may forget, but he was a big part in that Matt Flynn record-setting day against, I know the Lions were terrible, but he was a big part of that. So, I mean, he's he's shown that he could work with quarterbacks. He could work with less and get more. And Jordan Love might be that guy. And I still I am on the train where I still think Jordan Love can be good. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be an all-pro or a pro bowl or anything like that. But in, in a world where Mac Jones is making the pro bowl, yes. I think, sure, Jordan, <laughs> I think Jordan Love can be Mac Jones level. That's all I'm I saying. would, yeah. And I would, I would rather give Jordan Love some time then I saw somebody earlier suggest Mitchell Trubisky. I would I would rather see what Jordan Love's upside could be because you know he came he came out as a raw prospect. He was compared as a, a Patrick Mahomes type player. Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes and he came out was compared to an Aaron Rodgers type player. Mm-hmm. You don't expect you know guys to turn into these guys. What that is meant to do is to give you an idea of what their potential skill set could be. Mm-hmm. So Mitchell Trubisky, you know what he is. He, if you're throwing farther than 20 yards, you might as well not. <laughs> and like he can kind of run. That's what you got out of Trubisky. Jordan yeah. Love has a cannon. He can move. And if you put him in this system, this West Coast system that predicates on building the run game and then working off of that, you still have Jordan Love or uh, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones behind him. So you already have a good baseline in your running game. And then, you know, let's say the the Packers traded Rodgers to Denver, and that's the situation where we're discussing Jordan Love. Um, Isaac, when when Andy Herman was on here, he brought up Mariota as potentially a guy to just create a quarterback competition. Um, I threw out Tyler Huntley, um, you know, as guys just to, you know, kick some tires and, and make a, a competition. But, you know, you can put Jordan Love in this system and say, we're going to build our offense like the Browns and we're going to run the ball 35 times a game. And we have a good offensive line and two good running backs. Try and stop us. Yeah. I so mean, it can, it can work. Um, I you know, think I'm, Winston's going back to New Orleans, in my opinion. Yeah. He's honestly, I don't, I don't love the idea of Jameis Winston. He seems a guy to be on a pass for his offense. 
know, he has a 5,000 yard season. So, you know, he's got that, but he also has a 30 interception season. So Rogers hasn't thrown 30 interceptions in the last five years. I'd be willing to bet. I'm not even looking at stats. If you added his interceptions for the last five years, somebody in the comments, please do this. I don't think he has 30 picks. It's going to be close though. It's going to be close, but I don't know. Yeah. He's, he's had like five, four, six, five. I got to look. All right. (laughs) Keep going. Um, so the two things with love, you know, if he's not traded, I'm okay with holding on to him behind Rodgers, giving him another year um, behind Rodgers to be, the, you know, he's going to be the preseason quarterback and he's going to be the backup. Um, we'll see what Tom Clements can do, if he could potentially repeat his success there. And then, you know, if Rodgers comes back, I would say you shop Jordan Love for a third-round pick. Um, maybe Houston, maybe Atlanta, maybe Tampa Bay, Indianapolis, I've heard is a potential if they want to move on from Carson Wentz, you shop them for a third. And if somebody offers you a fourth, you know, somebody offers you say a fourth and a sixth, or, you know, somebody offers you straight up just a third round pick, you know, sure. But what you do then you take around and you flip that third round pick and you trade it to whoever wants it. And you get more players that can contribute now. I'm with it. So, I looked up real quick, right? And you can actually go the last six years. And he I, only has yo, 20, I was going to say six, and I didn't. And he oh. only has 27 interceptions in the last six years. You got to go back to 2015, which is crazy, and then he'll have over 30. But that is nuts. Jameis yep. did that in a season. Season. It's two picks a game, basically. Dude, <laughs> looking at this, Rodgers oh. hasn't thrown double-digit interceptions since 2010. And he's only done it twice in his career. The first year as a starter and in 2010. Other than that, he's thrown under double digits. The man is a monster. Brad asked, what do you think Rodgers is worth in the trade market? For me, I would say two firsts, a prospect, and a starter. I I think they're going to go for more draft capital, to be honest with you, because we're not going to have any money. (laughs) So I'm going to say two firsts, a second, a th- and a third. Two firsts, a second, and a third, I would say. Right. I was going to say two firsts and two seconds, but two firsts, two seconds is a huge haul, so I'll in, say a third. In my mind, I per- I pictured Denver. I pictured getting two firsts, um, Bradley Chubb, and one of their stable of wide receivers, whether it's K.J. Hamler, Cortland Sutton, or Tim Patrick. I mean, Cortland. Tim Patrick would be real nice. He's actually underrated as, as hell, and he's a big guy. But Cortland Sutton would be badass because you know I wanted him last year. Yeah, I know you did. He's um, a good player. So yeah, that's that was my thought was was two firsts, Bradley Chubb and one of their wide receivers was my thought. Why not? I agree with Isaac. Try to get Brandon Cooks. I mean, they just got it. I oh god, I wanted Brandon Cooks last year. I wanted him so bad. Any way around it, the the Packers, Gunakus, um we, we got to just go for it. You got to go so, all in. You just got to head first, dive into this thing, and we just got to go, go get a ring. I don't remember where the conversation came up, but somebody said to offer Jordan Love for Brandon Cook straight up, and I was like, I think I'd do that. You got you to take into consideration what's going to happen with Watson first because yeah. nobody's talked about the legal stuff with Watson for how long. Everybody's too involved in Aaron Rodgers' relationship status. Or that he has a broken toe or he takes weird shits. I don't know what's going on with that. 
but this guy is literally out here sexually assaulting women, and we're not talking about it. What I heard is that he's <laughs> going to settle. So he might be good to go this year. Oh, really? Huh. Interesting. Yeah, Cole Beasley, he's another one of those one of those slot receivers, a possession receiver. That's that's what I've wanted for the Packers, you know, with a, a Jamison Crowder. Like, a dream free agent would be Chris Godwin, but um, I don't know how much of a wizard Russ Ball is with the cap. I mean, he's created $14 million off of just restructuring two contracts. So, you know, that's that's a quarter of the Packers' cap situation solved in two restructures. True. Um, <sighs> do you think the Packers use the franchise tag? I think, um, you know, kind of like what Goot was saying, I think it's going to be all on opportunity-based, in my opinion. Um, if the opportunity presents itself, um, yeah, he will, if he's forced to, if his hand is forced to use it. But I do think, I mean, come on, let's be honest, Rodgers and Adams are talking, right? And Adams knows exactly what Rodgers is thinking. Rodgers knows exactly what Devontae is thinking. So at the end of the day, I'm going to say that he has to use it because I think Devontae is going to want to go and go back out with his buddy Derek Carr. That's really what I think he wants to do. Yeah, and that's that's why when we kind of opened the show, I proposed maybe if, if Gudikins can work out, you know, hey, we're going to give Aaron Rodgers a two-year deal. Do you want a two-year deal? So you can leave when Rodgers leaves. That point, that's... he's only 31. Exactly. And you can go get a four-year deal at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's really what I would do if I were Gudikins. Obviously, all I am is a podcaster. I don't have, you know, I'm not a GM, but <laughs> right. um, I really think that's what they want to do. I think they want to leave this team at the same time. That's how I feel. I just, I don't see a way where they get a long-term deal. I just don't see a way where they sign Devontae to a five-year deal because we just don't have the money. It's not that I don't think he wouldn't mind. You'd have you to know, backload signing. the hell out of it, which is possible, but I just don't see it as particularly <laughs> likely. We're going to bring back Hoodie Hoodie Jones? <laughs> Dude, Hoodie James Jones is a boss. I'll tell you what. He is Roger's main hype man, and he must be so disrespected that he's not part of the Friday night crew. I just got to say that right now. I thought about that the other day when Rogers made his post about his I Friday mean, night he's crew on, and stuff. He's on TV. He's probably in L.A. He's not in the, the Green Bay circle, you know. No, I know, but, I mean, he doesn't – he never brings up James Jones, and James Jones literally just does nothing but love Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> All right, what do you think Tom Clements does for Rodgers and love? Well, I kind of – I mean, I've already touched on it. I mean, he was the quarterback coach from 2006 to 2011. Then he was our offensive coordinator from 12 to 14. Um, between him being the quarterback coach and OC from 06 to 14, Rodgers got two MVPs, a Super Bowl MVP. And, I mean, he, he just went from an unknown guy to one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He also was Brett Favre's one of his most efficient seasons, not one of his best seasons. I'd say one of his more efficient seasons. Um, in 2007, we made it to the NFC Championship game that year too. And like I said, the Matt Flynn uh, career day. I mean, he got Matt Flynn paid. Yeah, he did. He, he's really <laughs> the responsibility for Matt Flynn getting paid. Think about it. Um, he was also our assistant head coach uh, 15 and 16. So he's been around. He's familiar with Green Bay. Um, he knows the building. He knows most of the people up that work there. Um, some new faces, new GM, new coach, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, Rodgers is still there. 
He's going to know how to pick Rodgers' brain. He's going to know how to motivate him. The thing that I'm liking is he's going to know how to develop a young quarterback and the time that it's going to take. So say they bring Rodgers back for two more years like you're proposing. You give Tom Clemens two years with Jordan Love, Yeah, Jordan Love will be ready. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, that's that's the power that I like is that you give him a chance to repeat his success that he's done yep. from the Brett Favre to the Aaron Rodgers area. You know, and we've, you know, the era that we had that, we've talked about it. You know, the Packers are kind of repeating this this trend. You know, they've, they did it. They didn't need to pick Aaron Rodgers when they did. So many people were, why are we drafting a quarterback? We have Brett Favre. Look what happened. Mm-hmm. I, like, if you talk about how many first-round picks hit, why not take a flyer on trying to repeat what you've done and take your success from 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play to 45 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play. That's a what-if question that I would pay a first-round pick for. Yeah, I would too. If it doesn't work out, look how many other first-round picks haven't worked out. That's that's just part of the NFL. Not all first-round draft picks pan out. If Jordan Love doesn't work out, the Packers will still end up with a franchise quarterback for the Chicago Bears, so... There's that. Yeah, we can always hang our hat on that. Fact. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, that's just a dumpster fire. Um I think I already know your answer to this question. We've talked about it a bunch of times. Yeah. Campbell or Douglas? Well, the the cool pick would the pick Douglas, because Douglas was awesome. Pick sixes are very exciting. The logical pick, Devondre Campbell. Is it sexy that he makes a lot of tackles inside of Scrum or he stops running back for only getting two yards no to a little kid that's just learning the game that's not exciting to them i mean my stepson is nine years old and he's always like why are they running the ball and only got three yards well buddy you don't want to sit here and listen to me talk for three hours so i can't explain why they're doing that <laughs> but rasul douglas he sees him get a pick six automatically he's awesome to him but i'll say campbell is the easy easy choice to yeah. grown men who understand football he's a he's a bigger position of need yes um you know, that, that three-yard run, three-yard run, what that does is it gets Alan Lazard matched up with a linebacker, and then he goes and scores a touchdown. Yep, I have to explain all the time, you know, to my girlfriend, and, oh, God, I do not want to talk about Aaron Rodgers shitting, okay? I should have texted Tyler that, but we're not no. talking about yeah, that. Yeah, we're just going to skip over that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we're not talking about that. Um, I don't care. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to throw a, a monkey wrench in this equation here. And I think Rasul Douglas is going to be back no matter what because he wants to so be too. here. Yeah, I agree. He wants to be here. Yeah. I so, think Douglas will be back too. That might be part of the reason why I say Campbell because I think Douglas is already coming back because he loves yeah, it here. Uh, but if they could get Campbell and Douglas, bring Ro- if we could bring the band back, right? And Coot really was teasing, man, when he was talking. He's like, I don't see a reason why we have to get rid of a bunch of people. I'm like, do not. Don't make that a possibility <laughs> in my brain, you son it's of a like, bitch. Like, we know we have, like, Russ Ball <sighs> is here. Like, we, oh, it's possible. And like, then, and then like, look for at, them look to at... be able to what? add pieces to that I and know. have a special teams, I'm like, just give me one more. Give me one more title. I'll stop bitching. I swear. I promise. I'll stop bitching. It's, give me one more. It's, oh, it's possible. <laughs> like, the way that they can work and extend, guys, like, we're mm-hmm. we're also in addition to being on Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams watch, we're also on extend Jair Alexander watch. Yeah, we are. If we they are. pull that, that creates flexibility there. 
They could restructure Bakhtiari, which they haven't done yet, which I would fully expect to be happening. Yeah, come That's on. going to create a huge chunk of change. Yeah, that, that'll be a Bakhtiari got a fat-ass signing bonus. <laughs> so, just sit on his ass because he's hurt all goddamn year, too. I don't, it's I mean, not that I don't love him, but... I God mean, damn. you know, there's ways they can make this work I and agree. potentially bring back one of the Smith brothers. Or, you know, I've heard the that Whitney Merciless would be back to willing to be back on a team friendly deal. Like there's there's options here. I'll, I'll tell you this. If I would not mind Casey Hayward, by the way, um, he played very well. He played very well for the Raiders last year. He did. Um, I might be the only one that doesn't really care of. Zedarius is back. Personally, I, I think I've I think been he acted like a baby. for him to be gone already. I think he acted like a baby when he didn't get the captain. Like, dude, you gotta think about it. Like, think logically. Rodgers and Crosby are always captains. Um, it made sense to make Jair a captain on defense. It made sense to make Devontae a captain. I mean, that really only leaves you with one spot left. I'm sorry that you didn't get it. It's okay, man. And then, you know, he had the back back injury and he he could, you know, for him to come back for the playoffs kind of makes me feel like he could have came back earlier, to be honest with you. But I, I don't know. I mean, would I welcome him back? Yeah, obviously I would because he's a great player. He has the highest sack per like rate per game in Packers history. He's at about almost one per game. But I would almost m- much rather have Preston back because he sets the I edge agree. in the run. We we talked about that after the Packers season was over, that between those two, that, that Preston is a better all-around linebacker. Yes, he's a, he's and, a football you know, player. Yeah, Zadarius is the better pass rusher, but Preston is a better all-around linebacker. Yep. And Preston, Preston Smith, he gets a gold star for taking the pay cut that he did to help work the salary cap. I give Preston Smith so much credit for taking his, what, like $9 million a year salary down to less than $2 million full of incentives, which he hit most of. Mm-hmm. I, I give Preston Smith so much credit for that. That was kind of an out of the nowhere cap, you know, situation. That's why one of the reasons we call Russ Ball a wizard, but I give Preston Smith a lot of credit for that. I so I would be, I would be good with bringing Preston Smith back across from Rashawn Gary and then, you know, bringing Merciless in on a veteran minimum to back them up. I agree. So since Isaac's in the, in the, uh, the comments here, other than Drake Landon, because I know that's going to be your answer, if you had to draft somebody with the first pick, 28th pick, Isaac, I want to know who you would take. Um, I don't know if you heard Tyler and I's, but we both had a defensive end as our as our first player that we would go after. It was the same guy, actually. Um, Logan Hall, defensive yep. end. Um, I'm wondering what you're thinking, Isaac. I want to pick your brain. Anybody else in the comments, feel free. Um, I am very excited, dude. Like I said, I had a hard time kind of shutting my laptop because I was just like, I was like, dude, I could just sit here for eight hours and just watch people play college football <laughs> at eight minutes at a time, you know? <laughs> I just loved it, man. Um, I am going to look up Tyler's tight end after the episode, and I want Tyler to look up my tight end. Jalen Weidermeyer, he's going to be – I think he can end up being a good player, man. He might end up – he kind of – and this kind of sucks because I don't think he's used the right way, but he reminds me of David Njoku for the Browns where he's just kind of that tweener where he's a wide receiver, tight end. He's not great at blocking, but – you just see the potential oozing out of him, you know. You're just like, man, this guy can be good. All right, Isaac wants the uh, Davis, the linebacker from Georgia. Davis. No, that's the. Is that the big fella? Is that the big giant ninety nine? I thought that was. Oh, I thought that was the linebacker. No, the linebacker. Oh, what the hell is his 
No, the linebacker he, is. You haven't gotten into draft prep yet. He's he's the the he's going mid round from what I hear. Yeah, he if oh Drake Jackson as well. Who's that? Is that a corner? I think I, I was having though. Drake Jackson, USC. Let's see, what is this guy? Oh, he's a big fella. 6'4", 250. He's only 20 years old. I'm on board. I'm already on board. He's only 20. I'm already on board. You can get 10 years out of this guy and he's 30. I'm already on board. Seriously. Okay. God, he looks like a baby. Jesus. <laughs> Man. Um, I just want to talk Packers all day now. God damn it. Dude, we're going to have Packers episodes coming up. I know. Um, I'm so excited. We're, we're working on on doing it a potentially another live episode like we did last year. So, Love it. Love it. Very excited. Oh, God. All yeah. right. To wrap this up, what else do you want to say? Anything else about the Packers before we move into basketball? Um, We have a very important two-week stretch. Less than two weeks now. Um, We're going to hear the news. You know, March 8th, one way or the other, we're going to find out what's happening with Devontae. We're going to find out what's happening with with Aaron Rodgers. And everything goes off of those two players. If they bring those two back, um, I think we're we're just going to find out if we're going to be a a five-win team or a 13-win team with a chance to win the Super Bowl. That's all i got to say. And and Jake and I will start doing draft prep soon. So – that's always fun. Yes, it's the best. Honestly, right. one of my favorite parts of the whole year. <laughs> I agree. Um, what's not fun is the Bucks 76ers game. We, <sighs> you, I mentioned it that Giannis was the, – the team had such a conscious thing of wanting to go into the All-Star break on a high note and wanting to try to win some of these games against physically and mentally defeated teams. And the Bucks looked like a physically drained team against the 76ers. Like missing shots short, like just mm-hmm. bad turnovers, just bad shot selection. Um, what what did you see with the Bucks and the 76ers? I mean, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this because the 76ers are going to look different next week. But yeah, um, I just saw a 76ers team that came in here and wanted to prove a point. Um, people have been bringing it up all year, and it's been a rule our entire lives. When you're the champ, people come at you a little bit harder, and. Giannis tried his best to score all the, you know, he tried his best in the fourth quarter. He scored a lot. He did a lot in that fourth quarter to kind of make it a game and give us the lead at some points. But Embiid was just too much. We had nobody to stop Embiid. And for all the people that are like, put Giannis on him, put Giannis on him. Dude, Embiid gets a lot of foul calls, okay? There's a reason that Embiid doesn't guard Giannis because Giannis gets foul calls and Giannis doesn't guard Embiid for 48 minutes. We don't want, the teams don't want those guys to have three fouls in the first quarter. And that's exactly what would have happened. Um, we did see it at the end of the game, which made sense to me. Like, okay, you need to make a stop. Giannis, go on him. But we have no Brooke. We had no Allen. We had no Pat Connaughton. We have no backup point guard. I mean, Wiggington's still the backup point guard, and he's been he's been exciting. It's exciting to see those young guys do good like that, but is it really what's going to happen in the playoffs? No. The Bucks are going to make moves. They're going to get a veteran guard. Uh, the thing that I saw is the Bucks had no inside defense. Again, the same thing that we saw. Um, against the Suns, they were just small. And Embiid knew that. He went at them. He's not afraid to use his size. And he's going for that MVP, man. That's all I got yep. to say. I have that he really, he really looks like MVP. he wants the MVP. He really does. And he knows that if he gets it, Shaq's, he's going to be Shaq's favorite player, and they're going to talk about him every couple of days. And that's how it's going to go. Um, other than that, 
once James Harden gets there, that team will not be as good as they are. That's all I, I agree. Say. That team is going to go from having the ball in Joel Embiid's 50% of the time to having the ball in James Harden's hands 50% of the time. It'll go from the only time Embiid will get the ball is off a of pick and roll. I mean, they'll post him yeah. up a little bit, but 90% of the time it's going to be off the pick and roll, the pick and pop. Because Harden, you don't bring in James Harden without knowing he's going to dribble the goddamn air out of the basketball. Plain and simple. And he's going to take some bad shots. Yeah. And now that he's not getting foul calls on his threes, he's going to have some six for 15 games. Man, I mean. He's like career low on shooting percentages this year. He's bad. When when the game slows down in the playoffs – and the passing lanes get a little tighter, and the shooting gets a little bit tougher. Harden doesn't and the perform. Less foul calls. Harden just doesn't perform in the playoffs. And no. I think it'd be, you know, and Harden likes to talk back a little bit. I just, I just don't see that marriage working out too well. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Honestly, you know what this is? I think, I think Joel Embiid wants an MVP more than he wants to compete for a championship. I truly believe that because. Personally, I don't feel that even with James Harden, that Philadelphia is a threat. No. Um, I would put them in the category with the Bulls of a team that's going to be good in the regular season mm-hmm. and a second-round exit. Yep. Um, I could see, let's say, a two, let's say Philadelphia ends up with a two-seed and Brooklyn ends up with a seven-seed. I would pick Brooklyn probably in five, maybe in six in that series. Bro, I would the Philadelphia would not beat Brooklyn in a seven game series. They would not beat Milwaukee in a seven game series. That's they would not beat Miami in a seven game series. That's how I feel. Okay, two things I want. I want Chicago Milwaukee. I've been very boisterous about that, and now I want Philly and Brooklyn. That would be some good basketball, dude. Dude, you you'd have great oh. content before you even get to the series. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Would that ever be just some great basketball? It would be very annoying to listen to ESPN because Simmons and Harden have played for neither team, and they still right. talk about it, dude. It's so annoying. Yeah. But Harden, I guess, a, is supposed to make his debut tomorrow. So be a great – oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And the Bucks don't play until freaking Saturday against Saturday. the – Or the Nets. The Brent the Nets, yeah. Yeah. So, for me, this Bucks game, it's just annoying. Like – Bergman Korkmaz always plays good against the Bucks. He only had 13 yep. points, but he was 5 for 8 and 3 for 4 on threes. Fucking Georges Niang doubled his season average. Yep. He averages like 9.4 a game. He scored 18 and made five threes on 10 attempts. Yep. It's just annoying. Um, the Really, the second quarter showed me that the Bucks were ready for the All-Star break. Yeah. Uh, they had a 12-point lead with five minutes left, and were all scored 28-8 to eight for the rest of the second quarter. Um <sighs> They just weren't contesting jump shots and floaters. They're giving up like they gave up an offensive rebound and a putback at the second half buzzer or at the second quarter buzzer. Like, yeah, that's that's just not a locked in team. That's a team really showed me that they were ready for the All Star break. They looked tired in the second half. Yep. Um, had a couple chances to tie and take the leads, but um, they looked like they just ran out of gas. Like Chris Middleton specifically. And it's looked like that for probably like the last week of the season. It looked like Chris Middleton is out of gas. Yeah. They should have gave him a rest day, honestly. They should they should have. They should have. I would have said, you know, the day what was Monday against Portland. Like Giannis was out. Like that was a late scratch. So I guess it's hard to predict that. But um, 
Why not late scratch Middleton? Let him sit, man. Yeah. Yeah, he needed. Yeah, Middleton needed the break. And then he got uh, blocked by Giannis in the All Star game. What the hell, Giannis? <laughs> uh, um, hey, I mean, if you and I were on opposite teams at a pickup game and I block your shot, like I'd be excited about it. I'd let you know. I'd be like, get your shit out of here. Yeah, I know uh, you would. <laughs> all right. Um, only had 10 bench points from the Bucks. Philadelphia had 25. Mm. No, Corkmouth had 13 by himself. He outscored the Bucks bench by himself. Um, the turnovers were down. The free throws were, were solid. So, I mean, there's still a couple of good takeaways. But um, DeAndre Bembry was one of the Bucks buyout signings. Um, I saw somebody question why they held him out with a sore thumb. And my answer was, you are one game ahead of the All-Star break. What possible benefit could it be to rush a guy into one game when he's about to have a week and a half off? Yeah, why not just keep him out and then get him more acclimated with the coaching staff, with the playbook? Yeah, when there's a potential injury involved. Like, why why try to rush somebody into that situation that could potentially turn into a longer-term situation when you already have a week and a half off after the one game? I agree, 100%. So, totally fine with them holding him out. Same with Grayson Allen. Like, he's been dealing with his hip issue. Mm-hmm. Like, just let him sit out through the break. That gives him, you know, gave, and then ended up giving him, like, two full weeks because he, I think it was a Sacramento game that he didn't play the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just sat out since then. Um, which is one of the reasons that I brought up the Javante Carter thing now is looking ahead with the Bucks is they signed Javante Carter, uh, who was also released from Brooklyn, but you know that's it is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. Between Carter and Bembry, the Bucks are adding defense. Yep, defense wins championships. So you know I've saw people say you know Gary Harris and Dennis Schroeder they haven't been bought out yet. So the Bucks they you got to grab who's available, um, and trying to add a guy to the end of your bench just to try to develop him. You know, the Bucks have some guys they can call up and down. Jordan War is one of those guys. Mamu is one of those guys. You know, I saw somebody say, why don't you guarantee Mamu's contract and keep him with your working roster spot? Because the Bucks need a backup point guard right now. They don't need a yeah. third string center. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, you know, as long as George Hill is out, backup point guard is the biggest need on the Bucks. And yep. Javante Carter can take care of the ball and dribble the ball. And he can play. He can play some really good defense. He was a two-time All Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year twice. Yeah. So more defense is, is what they did with Javante Carter. Um, looking up what's next Saturday, they play Brooklyn. Um, don't know if Dragic, Simmons, or KD are going to be playing. Um, Steve Nash said it was a possibility that KD could have been back before the All Star break, but. Uh, they ultimately didn't decide to do that for similar reasons that we just discussed with other guys. Give mm-hmm. them through the all-star break. It gives them more time. Um, so don't be surprised if KD plays. Don't be surprised if he doesn't either. Um, yeah. Ben Simmons, it sounds like a maybe. And Goran Dragic was just signed, so that's probably also going to be a maybe. Out of those three, I'd say it's probably the most likely that Dragic plays out of those three. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we have either potentially a 
Eastern Conference Finals worthy Brooklyn team or a two games under 500 Brooklyn team that they are right now. Um, so kind of a question mark on that. And then Monday they're at home against Charlotte. Um, they're kind of an underachieving team. I really thought they'd be better than they are, but you know they have some some high flying guys. They have some entertaining guys. They have a pair of good guards. So when you question why the Bucks are bringing in a defensive minded point guard next week, they have to play Terry Rozier and Lamelo Ball. Yeah, and then obviously Miles Bridges is on that team. So you know, <laughs> and they got that Harold, team. Man. They got a bunch of high flyers. Well, I mean, he's not going to be a point guard, but um, you're not going to have a point guard guarding him. But, you know, that's where a guy like Serge Ibaka comes into the mix. True. So, honestly, on that team, I've said this when we talked about them when the Bucks play them. I, I really think that their their lack of success comes down to their coaching. Yeah, I agree. So, speaking of coaching, this is a nice transition. Let's talk about the Badgers in Michigan. Do you want to talk about the game or the post game first? We'll talk about the game, then the post game, because the game matters and why the post game happened, in my opinion. I agree. All right. So, <laughs> this, it was crazy. The first 24 points of this game combined, all in the paint. Yep. This is a paint game. I don't know why Michigan went away from it later in the game, away from Dickinson, because he was eating, absolutely like... eating in the paint. Oh, my God. It was so annoying. Going into this game, I was like, just don't let him get right shoulder. Literally every possession in the first <laughs> half, there is, like, right shoulder, right shoulder. I'm like, are they, are they serious? He's left-handed. And I was I was telling Chantel, my girlfriend, I was like, he's left-handed, and that's usually harder for people to, like, defend them because they're used to right-handed players. So left-handies, left-handers have an advantage right away in the game. <laughs> yeah, left-handers, Jesus. Uh, left-handers oh, have an advantage in the game. <laughs> yeah, it comes out, yeah. Um. But yeah, they have an advantage, and he was—he had 15 points in the first half off of that. He didn't have to get a lot of rebounds because he, didn't he was making everything because he was getting all he wide was making up everything shots. right. But uh, I, you know, well, the craziest part of that first half was Vote had a huge two-hand dunk, and then the 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 second attempt he had was Dude, nuts. he's like he's like I'm gonna try to dunk it from the circle inside the free throw line. It's like I don't care. He's like like I don't know if he watched Space Jam the night before. And he's like, <laughs> dude, my arms were that long. Yeah. Somebody called him like Space Jam Jordan or something. Oh my dude, he just looks he's just weird, man. Like he looks like the blue monster. Dude, him shooting free throws <laughs> looks he just looks uncomfortable every time he wait, shoots. Wait till runs. we get to the Minnesota game and you hear who I compare him to. Oh, I'm ready for that. Anyways, keep going with your first staff analysis here. Um The Bucks or the Bucks. The Badgers are lucky that Michigan was really cold in the first half. They had a lot of careless turnovers and some really bad shots. Like they mm-hmm. play some tough defense, but you know, when it comes down to like something like March Madness, you can't just rely on a team to shoot cold mm-hmm. because March Madness is won by the hottest team. Obviously, they're all one elimination or one game elimination. So the hottest team usually wins. I mean, you can't rely on other teams to shoot poorly. To win, true. You can say the same thing with the Minnesota game. I mean, you, you don't want to get into these one possession games all the time. Um, I'm ready to talk about the second half. Um, in the first half, uh, I have a little, little, a couple more things in the first half. 
Uh, Michigan out rebounded the Badgers twenty three to thirteen. So they were just getting every rebound. They were they were just quicker to the ball. The thing that you're talking about them being cold, they were one for ten from three point range, and the Badgers were zero for six. So the Badgers weren't shooting good, but Michigan was just hooking up some very very bad shots in my opinion. When they literally they kept just, shooting them, like what the yeah, they could have just threw it down to Dickinson. Literally every possession, every getting, single play. He was getting right shoulder every single play. He was going to the same block, getting the same quality shot every possession. Why wouldn't you just let that ride? And Mikey, our Badger specialist, you know, he predicted this a couple weeks ago. He's like, Dickinson's probably going to kill us. And I was just kind of like, eh, I don't know. Votes been votes pretty big, and and Crowell's been improving while the season goes on. Well, Mikey was right in the first half, but the second half was a whole different story. What do you got? <laughs> And it starts with Dickinson. So he he gets a dunk that ties the game at 33, and he's all like, yeah, raise the roof, yeah. Yeah, so that was part of a 7-0 run. The Michigan went up 39-38. to Crowell hit a three that like kicked off a 14-1 to run, yep. and the run got as far as 21-3 to we went in the crazy. second half. The batters went nuts after that. Johnny Davis takeover. Yeah, so it took Davison until his second shot in the second half before he scored. I'm, and it continues in the Minnesota game. It, I'm really, really hoping that this is like a slingshot where he's just pulling back and pulling back and struggling, and that when we get to March Madness, it's just going to be boom, Brad Davison, and he's going to be back into those 15, 20 point games where he's making threes and. Um, getting to the free throw line and making all those and hyping up opposing team crowds and stuff. So I'm hoping that with this struggle that Brad Davison's going through, that it really catapults him into March Madness in a good kind of way. Kind of a hiccup and not a trend. It's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, it's it's been like a four or five game trend now. Yeah. But that said, <laughs> Johnny Davis is everywhere. He's everywhere he's such a good offensive player that he does not get credit for how good of a rebounder and defender he is yeah he's a great defensive player he is dude he's he's an amazing rebounder he goes and gets the ball like he doesn't rebound like a guard he rebounds like a power forward he's like no i'm I'm not gonna grab this rebound because it bounced to me he's like i'm gonna go get that rebound that's why I, i i love that mentality from him that's gonna get him that's gonna get him drafted in top five Man, hey, that's why I like that comparison to Wade. Think about Wade. He was always he always felt bigger. And you know what you know what number he was drafted? Number five. That's all I'm saying, man. I like the comparison. Um, he gets he gets just a little bit stronger. Like I can totally see Dwayne Wade as a comparison. I got I got a question for you. Uh, so there was there was three calls that I didn't like Ugh. in this game. And I want to know what you think. Uh, first of all, the goaltend on Chucky. How bad was blatant. that? Blatant. That was blatant. That was blatant. That's literally the video they show you when they're like, "This is a goaltend." <laughs> when the ball hits the backboard first, and somebody touches it, it's a goaltend. Literally, that's it. The ball touches the backboard, and if somebody touches it, it's a goaltend. Now I want to give credit to Chucky because he was smart enough to know, like, I'm not gonna be able to put the right spin on this ball to get this in, so he just put it off the backboard real quick. So he knew the guy was there. I thought that was smart by Chucky. I want to give him credit for that. Um, the charge on Johnny Davis, um, I know there was a makeup call and they called a really bad one, kind of the makeup for the Chucky, not Golden and the Johnny Davis charge, but that was a terrible call. What I would say is both of those 
should be no calls. That's my opinion. Both of them should be no calls. I mean, I, I'll I'll agree with yeah, I'll agree with that. But the Johnny Davis one was just, dude. The guy clearly slid and, and he was jumping and he was just. And then people were like, like Michigan fans were like, oh, Johnny Davis is out of control. Uh, no, Johnny Davis's body control is elite. So he knew exactly he's, what he's he was doing. Driving to the rim, he is a slashing player. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he didn't extend his arm. He didn't put his no. shoulder into a chest. That was he was he was like Johnny Davis lowered his center of gravity because he's trying to get baseline. Like right. Um, obviously, if you're a Michigan fan, you haven't seen Johnny Davis do that a hundred times in the last two weeks. But whatever. Uh, they they got the full experience of uh, the Johnny Davis effect in the second half. But I wanted to know how come there was a no call. There was a rebound that went towards the Wisconsin bench, and Carlson got blatantly pushed with a left arm from somebody. And there was just a no call on it. I'm like, how do you like? How do you just not call that? Like, I I, I don't I would understand. I understand like the close. We're gonna get those right. They're perfect. There's gonna be human error. I understand that, and I respect that about every sporting event. But when there's like things that you should call, and my nine year old stepson can call it, I have a problem now. <laughs> like that should be called. I just don't understand. I mean, and we're going to talk about the refs more when we get to the Minnesota game because it was just bad in the second half. I thought, in my opinion, but I mean, for them to be in the bonus for almost the entire second half was ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's but, happened a few games. That happened in the Illinois game too, and it was just annoying. I know, and it makes I, the game not fun to watch. Really, I, I have a different feeling about the Minnesota game, obviously, because we won that game. But if we would have lost that game. And it would have been the reason that we didn't win the Big Ten because we got a really big game coming up next Tuesday. Um, I would have been a little upset. I'm gonna be honest. Be a little upset. Last thing I want to say is Chucky Hepburn. He was feeling himself after he hit that dagger three that kind of you know finished it off that it wasn't gonna be a comeback. Mm-hmm. I I effing love Chucky Hepburn. He is going to be good next year. I'm not expecting a Johnny Davis jump, but he'll make a jump. He'll be good. He'll he'll average by around say, 15. I would he'll say I would put him in like like a like a Jaden Ivy type thing, where you know like he's going to have his team ranked, but he's not going to be player of the year. I agree. Player. I agree. He'll be a good player. We'll be in the top 25 next year for sure. I I like the thought of him and Crowell coming into next year, and taking the keys together and co-piloting the batters next year. I like that, I having a, a good starting center and a good starting point guard. I like that. Who knows I, I want to see a lot of, him, man. I want to see a lot of pick and roll between those two is what I want to see next year. And if Crowell keeps improving that three-point touch, yeah. and he, he showed some down-low toughness last night, we could, uh, we could have I ourselves like a nice little center, man. I like it. He is, and I'm a white guy, man. I'm a real, real white guy. Look at it. But my God, is that guy pale? Jesus! <laughs> holy camoly! I couldn't tell the white on his shorts for a little bit there last night. I was like, "Holy shit, dude!" <laughs> How high are his socks? Oh, that's his legs. His legs? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I thought he had white leggings on. <laughs> it looks like. It, man. <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about the end of the game. Let's talk about what do you think from the end of this game? led to what happened after the game and then we'll talk about after the game well i think that michigan continuing the full court press when the game was clearly unwinnable is just like it's like somebody being like okay so you ever seen like the 
joke where somebody like slaps you in the back of the head and it's on the say you're sitting on the left of somebody you slap them on the right side of the head and that guy gets blamed it's kind of like why is that guy getting blamed and you're just doing all the stuff wrong and like you don't want to get caught like it's like he didn't want to take any responsibility for anything he did wrong you know what i mean i just it didn't make any sense to me and then for him to be like oh don't touch me don't touch me it's like who are you bro you started all this you're trying to press our backup point guard like you're the first one acting like a dick and then you don't want me to give it back to you if you got mad at him for calling the timeout because you wanted the game to be over you scored with 22.4 seconds left mm-hmm the, the college shot clock is 30 seconds long. If you wanted the game to be over, the game could have been over. But Greg yep. Gard didn't want his bench guys to take a turnover, so he called a timeout. You treat your bench guys like your starters. I feel that way. That's what you do because you want them to have a, the mindset of a starter. So treat yep. them like a starter. Don't say just because you're a bench guy, I don't care if you take a turnover. They that's practice a, just as hard. That's a, just a shitty mindset. Like, yeah. that's treat your treat your bench guys like your starters and they will have the mindset of a starter so i'm fine with the timeout by guard not wanting to take a turnover you want to build good habits with your guys that could potentially contribute next season and like i said building habits treating your bench guys like your starters if you wanted the game to be over jawan howard who i think made some bad coaching decisions far before this like continuing to tell your guys to shoot threes or um, not feeding the ball to Dickinson, who the Badgers did not have an answer for in the first half. Like yeah. Those are bad coaching decisions. If you want this game to be over, don't call a full-court press. There's 22.4 seconds left. Badgers got to walk the ball across half court, dribble it out, game over. Why? Why are you having a full-court press in that situation? It's not a full-court press. It's just full-court man-to-man defense. That's, that's still full-court pressure. Press is short for pressure. Yeah. Why are they there if you want this game to be over? Why are they there? That's that's the only question you have to ask. It's a full court man-to-man defense. Why? If you want the game over, let it be over. Don't blame him for calling a timeout when you could have let the game end. I'm not saying Greg Gard is 100% innocent in this situation because I don't believe that he is. And I no. think that's where the, the, the fine stemmed from. But and then he told his players to foul. What the hell? I I can't believe that Michigan made the decision to suspend him instead of waiting for the Big Ten to do it and then firing him. You would have had a get-out-of-jail-free card to fire Jawan Howard after this. But I, I don't understand what Michigan sees in him to keep him around. I don't know, man. Um, he's got some pull. He's a former NBA player. Uh, he was one of their greats. I mean, I can understand where they're coming from, I guess. But the the stuff that he pulled at the end of the end of this game was that was bush league, in my opinion. All right. Um, how do you feel about what happened then after the game, starting with the handshake line? Well, what I really think is Jawan thought he could just get away with saying some slick shit. Okay. I don't. Mm-hmm. We don't know what was all said. Okay. Um, he definitely. You could hear said, the one thing that he said when he pulled his mask down. You could hear that. Yeah. Um, the reason that Greg Gard gar- grabbed him. Yeah. But I think he tried to say some slick shit. I think Gard was just like, "Yo, listen, man, you ain't gonna talk to me like that just because you're Jawan Howard. You're in my house right now. I actually love seeing guards stick up for his players like, 
like that. I agree. That, yep. That's something that can help you get recruits in the future, first of all. Um, but for him to just like try to again, it was it was him trying to like he did something wrong, but he didn't want to take responsibility for it. it and he wanted the last word. Yeah, it's it's somebody that talks shit but doesn't like the repercussions of it. Like, listen, dude, you say the right words to me, I'm gonna punch you in your shit. That's just how that's how the real world is. Okay, I'm sorry. And Jawad Howard thought he, he can get away with that, and clearly he couldn't because Guard was just not gonna let him get away with that. Krabinov was not gonna let him get away with that, and uh, it really pains me that we finally see Jacoby Neath make an impact in a game, and he always <laughs> throwing. Oh, he made an impact. <laughs> he made he made impact. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, I don't know. It was it was bush league. The whole thing was bush league. Um. Again, guard shouldn't grab his arm. I 100% agree with that. But yeah. Juwan Howard shouldn't be up there doing a freaking full court press and trying to say some slick seconds shit. Left. Yeah, so exactly what he said, it. he pulled his mask down as he was walking past Greg Guard, and he said, I'll remember that shit. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you could have let it be over. And Greg Guard stopped him when he tried to say that. And immediately he's doing this. He's got a finger in his face. As soon as Greg Guard stopped him... To try to explain, he got confrontational instantly. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like you no, know, they were going back and forth, and then it got heated, and then Juwan Howard's doing this, and then there's pushing and shoving. No, it was instant. Like Greg Guard stopped him. He's like, "Don't fucking touch me, bro." Did you see that one thing in Michigan? They were on the news saying that Greg Guard was racist. Did you see that? Oh my god, no! I, I was like, that. I was like, oh hell no, hell no! They did not just go up there, dude. That was crazy to me. I couldn't believe it. Oh, he's racist now. <laughs> yeah, that's a real thing. Look it up. It's a real thing. There, were, there was like three people on the news, and there's three guys on the news. There's like a couple standing around him, but they were literally called on guard racist. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's exactly – I was looking at my phone like, there's no way, dude. <laughs> but then again, I'm not shocked, right? Oh, this guy. I, dude, I don't know what to say to that. He, he shook. He shook. <sighs> yeah, I, I'll thing, have buddy. to look that up. I, I don't know what to say to that. That's yeah. <sighs> All right, you want to talk about the Minnesota game? I don't have a ton that I wanted to say about this game, oh. um, but I have a couple of things that I want to say. So Stephen Crowell got in some early foul trouble. And Chris Vogt got a lot of playing time. Um, the Badgers could have used a rim protector in this game. They got dunked on like four times in the first half all by one guy. He was going. <laughs> okay, here it is. Chris Vogt is Boban Marjanovic. Oh. <laughs> he's big, he's white, and he is very slow. Oh, my God. Dude, you see him shoot free throws? He seriously looks like he's taking a shit. Like, I'm being serious. Like, he's just all, like, and I'm like, what is going on right now? That looks weird. It looks like you're hurt. Are you okay? <laughs> Chris Chris Vote is Boba Marjanovic. He's big, and he is slow. He's, he is slow. Hey, at least Boban's funny. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> at least he's funny. He's funny, yeah, I think. That's that's about all I wanted to say about the first half. Like pretty much the centers in the first half were all that there was worth talking about for the Badgers. Um, well, Tyler Wall went on a personal run in the first half. He was balling for a little bit. Um, and he had the steal to start the second half. That yeah, he uh, did. 
that two-handed dunk. That was pretty sick. Um, but I thought Crowell played amazing in this game, man. He it was the best game of his career. Yeah, he was. He had a big time three. Um, I want to give a he shout always out to Chucky. Does. He does too. I know. Um, Chucky hit a big time three in the first half. We were down sixteen to ten. He comes down, pulls up a three. I'm like, that kid is oozy and confident. He's feeling himself. I oh, I love Chucky Hepburn. He also hit a really, really big mid range jump. Yes, he did, dude. He walked right into it. It was butter. The, like that's just you know. The confidence and knowing the scouting report, knowing that they're going to leave you open if you call this play, you're going to get this left elbow jumper, which is my dude went under the screen, wide open, 16 foot jump shot all day. Um, but man, Tyler Wall was everywhere, he got every rebound, he was the hustle man all game. Um, but Jordan, double doubles, Jordan Davis played huge, had a nice floater, had a big time three pointer. I mean. Who knows, maybe next year Jordan Davis is the one, you know, the brother that takes the jump and comes out of nowhere. Who hey, knows? Maybe. We don't know that. Nobody knows, man. Um, he clearly comes from the same family, so maybe he has right. just a little bit of that athleticism and that, that basketball instinct. But I would say that Jordan definitely has a better three-point touch, in my opinion. He looks more comfortable shooting threes. His, his shot looks smoother. Yeah. But John, Johnny's just everything. Um, and he didn't even have the greatest game. He actually fouled out of this game, which was crazy. But, you know. Um, Part of that Minnesota, is. Go ahead. Minnesota's just a, Minnesota's just a bad team. Uh, uh, the barn is a tough place to play. And it was crazy, the stat that came out, um, that Wisconsin basketball and uh, Wisconsin basketball and Minnesota basketball, along with the football programs, were both tied in the series. That was amazing to me. Did you see that? No, that's weird. Yeah, the basketball was at 104-104. Oh, God, where to put my phone? I took a picture of it because I was watching the uh, highlights on uh, uh, YouTube today when I was going over my notes and kind of making sure I had every every impact play. But then, yeah, they had uh, – yeah, here it is. Uh, all-time series was 104-104. And, oh, the football was 62-62-8. So both have 62 wins, 62 losses, and eight ties. So, I mean, Minnesota-Wisconsin is the ultimate rivalry in hmm. terms of college because it's just evenly matched. Yeah, yeah. In the NFL, it's definitely not the case. But you know, Minnesota will act like splitting regular season games is somehow better than you know actually being in the playoffs. Is equal to four or Super Bowls or something like? Yeah, I don't okay. know. Just because you've been to four, we have four. <laughs> right. Um. So everybody except for Chucky Hepburn did really well at the free throw line. Chucky was one for five. Kind of gross, yeah. but. So you mentioned Johnny Davis fouling out. Now, part of that is, and I'm going to tie this in with turnovers, is the Badgers need to kind of rein in their offensive fouls a little bit. Um, college is a little more, I think college is a little more apt to call the offensive fouls, um, especially like the hooks and, you know, some of the some of the contact, the, the block charge. I feel more of those go the way of the charge in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you get that offensive foul, that counts as a turnover. True. So the Badgers, I'd, I'd like to see them kind of rein that in because, you know, the early turnovers and the offensive fumbles that obviously added up in this game um, mm. and ended up with Johnny Davis following out. So um, he didn't, you know, he didn't shoot great, but he had still had a solid all around game. Um, I, I really hope Brad Davison snaps out of it. Purdue would be a great time to do it, but Brad Davison really struggling. <laughs> Shit, 
Saturday would be a good time to do it. We got a revenge game against Rutgers first. Touche. Play Rutgers at 5 o'clock on Saturday. Um, so I want to give Stephen Carl some more love because I do believe this was his best game of his career. Um, 20 points, 7 for 9 on field goals. And it's and it seems like we've we've said this probably four weeks in a row now that Crowell always hits the timely three. He hits yep. he hits threes at the perfect times in every game. Um, yeah, so really I'm nice. very excited to Touch see what we too. can do with Stephen Crowell. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Wall finished with a double double. The Badgers got 11 bench points. 11, 11 mm-hmm. whole bench points. They have more bench points than the Bucks did. They have 15 assists in this That's- damn game. That's pretty damn good. <laughs> and the Badgers are now up to 13 and 1 in games decided by six or less. Bro, this team That's the mark of a tough team. That's a tough team. This team has a chance, man. If if Brad Davis snaps out of it and starts hitting some of those threes, and Johnny Davis is doing his thing and the others keep improving like they're doing, I mean I mean it, it's it's a, definitely a positive thing that Neath had a good game off the bench, and then he was Suspended for a game, and Jordan Davis had a good game off the bench for a guard. I mean, if we could bring both those guys in, and, and Vogue can somehow just not suck, uh, um, and he could just get some rebounds and block some shots, I mean, this team could put some shit together, man. I could see an Elite Eight in their future. Dude, this, this, I would put the starting five against most in the in, in the entire NCAA. Pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. And, yeah, anything from the bench is just bonus. I agree, 100%. All right. Who would be your Badgers power pair? Well, we both have Johnny Davis, right? Yes. Okay, so say your other one, then I'll say my other one. <laughs> my other one is Stephen Crowell. My other one is also Stephen Crowell. <laughs> what? Right. You take he, Johnny Davis. You take two Johnny. good games together. He did. All he right. Did. So Johnny Davis was the man in the Michigan game, and he was just all around decent in the Minnesota game. And I said it when we talked about the Michigan game is that Johnny Davis is such a strong offensive player that he does not get credit for how good of a rebounder and defender he is. Like, like I really enjoy watching Johnny Davis go get rebounds. Because like I said, he doesn't wait for them to bounce to him. He goes and gets them. Yep. Like he, like we know that Johnny Davis can fly. We know that he can dunk, but he, he puts that athleticism in on the defensive end as well. Great. He goes up like he's going for a two-handed dunk to go grab a two-handed rebound. He's not waiting for a center to tap him the ball or, you know, just camping out by the three-point line waiting for a, you know, a long shot produces a long rebound. Johnny Davis is going to get rebounds. I enjoy watching Johnny Davis rebound because he looks like he loves doing it. God, that, that's basketball. That's that's a that's a trait that is it's not terribly popular. I agree. When it comes to basketball players, specifically Especially guards. Yep. You hit the nail right on the head. So, you know, seeing that Johnny Davis is a guard that likes to go rebound, you know, an NBA team that's picking in the top 10 is going to see that and say, hey, you know, we, you know, we aren't a great rebounding team, but we have a chance to grab a starting shooting guard that can help in the rebounding department. That's that's a huge plus for Johnny Davis, and I really, I, I do, I really enjoy watching Johnny Davis rebound the basketball. I brought it up when we did our our midseason progress report. I'm gonna pull it up again, um, because Johnny Davis as a a guard 
We got it here. Um, Johnny Davis. Okay. Big Ten. Ah, dang it. Where do I have it here? Do you want me to do a crawl real quick while you're looking that up? Sure. Um, crawl. I had crawl. Uh, probably for a lot of the same reasons you did. He just played big. Um, he made a lot of big time shots. I mean, last night we had a possession where Davis was sitting on the bench and the shot clock was going on the three, two, and then it hit the buzzer and he did a hook shot right off the, off the glass. And it was just like, wow, wow this, this kid, is, his confidence is growing. He's getting more comfortable on every spot on the floor. Um, uh, the one thing that he doesn't do is shoot mid range, but he doesn't really need to. Um, but he, he can, you can put him on the block. You can do him in pick and pop and he's, been great uh he averaged 15 points 15 and a half six rebounds only one assist he didn't have any blocks this week he had one steal but he shot 11 of 16 which is 69 percent. so you know what i'm nice saying? nice yeah i told you okay. tell we were gonna do that let's go <laughs> let's go all right so johnny davis averages six or no that's just defensive rebound he averages 8.3 rebounds a game He's a guard, yeah. averages 8.3 rebounds a game. That is fourth in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. The next player that is not a forward or center in the Big Ten is Bryce McGowans, who is probably going to be Big Ten freshman of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to be in the NBA. I compared him to Jason Tatum last week. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the next player that is not a forward or guard. He is 25th. Damn. Johnny Davis is a, a damn good rebounder. Like that's eight point three rebounds a game. That's fourth that's in the Big Ten, and he's what six four, six five, six five. Yeah, <laughs> feels six eight. He really does, man. Eight, eight rebounds a game at six five. <laughs> Bro, he had he had a dunk. It was after a, after the a foul call. It was on the floor, but he was standing underneath the rim, and it was left handed. He just rose up underneath the rim and just wow. I'm just power that baby down. I'm like, holy shit, this guy can really get up, huh? <laughs> like, if you were a casual and you're just tuning into your first ever Badgers game, and that's one of the plays you see, you're like, oh shit, that guy's gonna make it in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, he can jump. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's the other part of Johnny Davis. Like I said, the rebounding and the defense goes unspoken because he does so much on the offensive end. I forgot one thing. I forgot one thing. Um, I have it in my notes. I just saw it. Um, I wanted to point out a really nice pass he had to Crowell. Um, there was a play where Jordan, his brother, was on top, and Johnny was on the right wing. He actually, he cut behind his defender, and Jordan had to bounce the pass into him. And Johnny took a little dribble to his left, kind of a hop step dribble, and he ended up going up looking like he was doing a shot. He kind of just threw the ball down to Crowell, and he just – Went through a window this big, and he fit the basketball through there. And Crowell hit a really nice little, you know, a little jump hook. And I was just like, Johnny Davis, that guy understands basketball. <laughs> he can yeah. pass. He can score. He can rebound. He blocks shots. Like, the guy does everything, man. He's he's good. <laughs> All right. What is next for the Badgers? Well, what's next is they play at 5 o'clock, like I said, against Rutgers. Um, that is going to be a big time game. Rutgers just lost to Michigan. So that was pretty crazy. I didn't think that was going to happen. Um, but Rutgers is kind of coming back down to earth a little bit. 
little bit of a revenge game for the Badgers. I, I can't believe Rutgers isn't ranked. I, I can't believe that either. Like, I can't believe it. Like either. Alabama was seventeen and ten, and they were ranked twenty fourth or twenty fifth, depending on which poll you looked at. And Rutgers is mm-hmm. sixteen and ten, and just beat four ranked opponents in a row in the Big yeah. Ten. In a row and on the road and shit. Like I don't know. I don't know. Um, and Alabama had just lost to Kentucky. Like I get yeah, Kentucky's I mean. a top five team, but like Rutgers just rattled off like number fifteen, number seventeen, number four, and number like what twelve. Yeah. All in a row? Yeah. Yeah, fire. <laughs> um, well, after that, we got the big matchup, man. We got Purdue. Um, That's Tuesday, right? Yep, that is Tuesday. And then after that, they just play Nebraska. So, really, Rutgers, that's a big one. That one's at Rutgers. And then the next one, uh, oh, by the way, I wanted to say this after I say it. We played Purdue at home. It looked like we had a crowd against Michigan. It actually sounded like people were sitting in the seats were making noise, which was incredible. Um, hopefully they can continue that trend. That would be really nice. Uh, the Purdue game, though, I don't want to look past the Rutgers game because Rutgers is one of those sneaky good teams, man. They really are. But, man, that, that Purdue game is going to be heavy. That is a Tuesday night. That is going to be a great game. Great, great game. I'm yeah. really looking forward uh, and, to that. And, the, you know, the, the ranking committee has been pretty kind to the Badgers after beating teams that previously beat them. Um, the two that I'm talking about are Ohio State and Michigan State. The Badgers beat them both of the second times they play them after losing the first one. So if the you know if the Badgers can can rebound and and turn that into a win and you know not look like a team has their number at all, um, mm-hmm. I think that would help them as far as um, obviously record, but as far as ranking and then potential seeding goes. Well, th- think about it this way: say they beat Rutgers, right? And you're saying we split with everybody, right? Um, say we beat Rutgers, we'll probably move up in the rankings, probably 12 or 11, maybe move up one or two. If they end up being Purdue for a second and Purdue's in the top five all season long and then just finish the season by blowing out Nebraska, that'll probably be the game that Brad Davidson comes back to life because he loves playing against Nebraska for some reason. But yeah. if if they just clean sweep the rest of the season, go 3-0 the rest of the year, you know, they have a five-game win streak in a row here, um, I could see them – Sneaking Top into a, a three seed, two I seed could maybe. I could see them being maybe potentially a two seed if they beat Purdue and they win the if rest they, of their games. Tell you what, this is what I'm going to say: if they beat Rutgers in Nebraska, I'm going to say they get a three seed. If okay. they beat Rutgers, Nebraska, and Purdue, then I say they get a two seed. There'd be no way, dude. Purdue's a top five team all year, and Wisconsin beats them both times, and we split with everybody else. We're beating Houston. We're you know we're beating everybody. I mean Ohio be- State, Michigan State. I mean Michigan State. What the hell happened to them, man? I look like an idiot saying they were the biggest threat to us, but man, they really have just really went down the hill, man. I just I can't believe it. I thought I mean, coaching is so important in college, and I really thought Izzo would have righted that ship. And yeah, they just got no they got Dude. nobody that could take what Izzo says in the huddle and produce it on the court. They have no picture. Leader. Picture Tom Izzo with Illinois roster. Oh my God! National- <laughs> if he had last year's Illinois roster with Iowa, oh my God, they win the title easily. Oh, seriously, that's scary. That's yeah. scary. They would go nuts. They would probably. They would probably. Damn. They'd be in the top five for sure. <sighs> Colburn, that would, a, that would be a boss team. Damn. They had Io. They had, oh my God, Carbello, man. I mean, Carbello, yeah. Just, they would have. They would be crazy. I mean, they still are that's good, good, obviously, but right. 
Yeah, they would. They would but be crazy. You give them a, a top five college basketball coach. Yeah, he's still a stud. Yeah. Let's see. Well, Badgers right now. Well, Illinois lost, so they're twelve and four in conference. But we're tied with Purdue. So I mean, oh no, Illinois is, has to play a game. I think are they playing right now? Illinois plays Ohio State tonight, so that will have a very big impact. Oh, yeah. Cheering for Ohio State, who's still yeah. only a game behind. They're only a game yeah. behind the other three. Ohio State, no, Ohio State's two games. They're ten and five. It shows on here. But if Ohio State wins that game. Badgers split with them. I don't know how that would work out. Are they are they two games behind in conference play or in total record? Conference play. They're ten okay. and five. That's what and I okay. We're thirteen and four. So I mean, that's a big time game right there. Yeah, you're talking about Rutgers not being ranked, right? Iowa is literally ranked twenty fifth, and they have a worse conference record. I would like to see who won the head to head in that situation. Honestly. It's probably like super early in the year, and Iowa probably won by like four points or something. Let's see, Iowa, or it was while Bryce Harper Jr. or not Bryce Harper Jr. Ron Harper Jr. was injured. Uh, well, when they played in January, Rutgers won forty-eight forty-six. I'm trying to see if they won forty-eight forty-six. That's only like a 2015 Badger score. So that's the only game <laughs> Rutgers won it, and Iowa is the one that's ranked 25th. That doesn't make any sense to me, but uh, whatever. It's probably because they have a superstar player, Keegan Murray, honestly. Yeah, that's – But, I mean, there will be a lot of teams. I mean, Michigan, Michigan State will still probably sneak into the the tournament. Indiana's probably on that Michigan State will be in the tournament. Michigan, Michigan, I think, is going to end up finding themselves in the NIT. Yeah, I can see that. I think Indiana still has a chance, man. I don't know. Something about Indiana. I think they could if they run off a couple games here. It's it's Trace Jackson Davis. As as he goes, they go. Yeah. Ah oh, man. Um, we got some exciting stuff coming up here. I mean, Saturday will be a good day. March Madness is coming up. Yeah, Saturday's gonna be a good day. We're gonna hear news about Devontae and Aaron Rodgers pretty soon. Uh, Bucks basketball is gonna start getting pretty good. Um, hopefully we get some news on some freaking Brewers baseball at some point here. Yeah, it's getting really annoying. It's getting to the point honestly, now. It's not. It's not in a good place, honestly. Yeah, it, it's getting to the point now where I start to get annoyed, and I try to let things, you know, play out. But it's getting to that point where I'm kind of like, all right, you guys are just being jackasses now, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, baseball. But, baseball is in like serious danger of missing time. Yeah, it's, and you know what? If they do that again. I mean, they just had a 60-game season a couple years ago, not because of anything like this, but because of COVID. But if they that's have another the reason I hate Rob Manfred. Time, that 60-game season was BS. Yeah. That was bullshit. I'll agree with that. That was so stupid. But it is Whatever. what it is. But yeah, for a, are... for a sport that's already losing popularity, like you got to get it together. I agree. Well, all right, man. Well, we will be back. Next week on Wednesday, next week is going to be our first show in March. We are going to start at 4 o'clock next Wednesday. So we're moving it up a little bit so that these longer episodes aren't going until 7 o'clock. So we are going to start at 4 o'clock next Wednesday. But um, definitely going to be a lot more intense basketball discussion coming up as as postseason nears. And Jake and I are getting into, you know, the exciting draft prep season and free agency with NFL. So, um like Jake said, some exciting stuff coming up. Next Wednesday at 4 o'clock, depending on how that Badgers game goes, 
We're gonna have some some shit to talk, man. Oh, good, good, good. We might potentially. Well, I'll keep this door open. If if the Badgers end up beating, or depending on how the game ends, maybe we have Mikey on next week because next week is a massive, massive game. I'm just saying. So we'll be we'll we'll talk. We'll be in discussion. We'll see what's going on. But yeah, other than that, uh, thanks for you know our guest coming on here. Um, that was a lot of fun. I was very nervous. Honestly, I was very tight. <laughs> Um, I wish I would have relaxed a little bit more, but yeah, I, this was a great episode. I had a lot of fun, man. Sorry, right. I, I can I can carry the question asking for you. Yeah, nervous. I was in my face. It seemed like for like at times you didn't want to talk. Like, like I yeah, guess. I was kind of I was kind of like just let him talk more. <laughs> well, that's and that's <laughs> like I said, more. I wanted to be you know respectful of his time, and I told him we were gonna go through our stuff after, um, after we mm-hmm. let him go. So, um, yeah, I like that he kept the door open for the future and wanting to do it again. So. That's always good yes. to have those relationships working out well for us. So. Yep, just, just build more and more, build more and more. Hopefully, hopefully people start. Tre- hopefully, uh, one day Wisco Fanatics is trending on Twitter. That'll be the day. That'll be the day. I feel like <laughs> I'm walking on water, buddy. <laughs> All right, I'd rather be credentialed with the Packers like Andy Herman, but Jake just wants to be trending on Twitter. So, hey, trending on Twitter, you bit, you get credentialed. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> You get street credentials for that. You get street cred. <laughs> I'm from the street, dog. All right, man. <laughs> All right. All right. We will see you next Wednesday at 4 o'clock. All right. Later, buddy. Take care. Bye. Bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.